To most girls, the menstrual period should bring no severe discomfort. Some girls have a little less pep, a feeling of pressure in the lower part of the body, perhaps an occasional twinge or a touch of nerves. But don't let it get you down. After all, no matter how you feel, you have to live with people. And once you stop feeling sorry for yourself and take those days in your stride, you'll find it's easier to keep smiling and even-tempered. During menstruation, not only can you bathe, you should bathe. Your perspiration glands are working overtime. And as for the old taboo against exercise, that's nonsense. Exercise is good for you during menstruation. Just use common sense. When you come to think of it, most of your daily routine is on the mild side. It's going to extremes that's wrong and to be avoided. And do something about that slouch. Slumpy posture is just as bad inside as it looks outside. So stand up straight and let the organs function from the position that nature intended. And incidentally, it's smart to keep looking smart. That well-groomed feeling will give you new poise and lift your morale, especially when it's backed up with year-round fresh air and sunshine and plenty of rest and sleep. Because the best possible insurance against trouble on those days is healthy living every day. And that's the story. There's nothing strange nor mysterious about menstruation. All life is built on cycles. And the menstrual cycle is one normal and natural part of nature's eternal plan for passing on the gift of life. Too. All right, there you go. Ladies and gentlemen, I swear to Christ, that is the Disney Guide demonstration, which is a phrase I never really thought I'd say, but there you go. What can you do? Part of life's unfolding mystery. All right. And stand up straight. All right. Don't go thinking for yourself. It is uh, 7 minutes and 18 seconds after the hour of 11, and it's the month of September, the year of our Lord, 2008. Thank you for coming along and making a part of your listening day. We are live from the plushly appointed, yet not overly ostentatious studios of AM 970, the talker. This, my friends... Is the Rick Emerson radio program lovingly assembled in the United States by a collection of robots. All right, 30 days past September, April. That means we're only 14 or well, 15, depending on how you look at it. Uh, days away from Talktober. It will be Talktober uh, all uh, all month long. You know, just see it all. All right, uh, it is 503-733-2970 if you'd like to join us today. 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Two nine seventy. Want to get on board with your comments, questions, clarifications, kvitches, kvitches, limericks, puzzles, ruminations, obfuscations, uh, deliberate bouts of obtuseness, whatever it is you have. It's five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. Richie Bristol standing by, ready, wheeling, able, and creepy. We pass along your observations about the interesting, the groundbreaking, the tedious, or the mundane. By the way, if you're watching Richie's Miss Face page, apparently any number of Fetching young ladies are taking the opportunity to go to Richie's MySpace page, pull up their tops, and post pictures of themselves, to which Richie responds with things like, Hey, those are big ones. 
because he's smooth like that. Don't forget yummy. And yummy. Uh, it is uh, Tuesday, and welcome to Day 12. It is 503 uh, 73 Big guest news in just moments. Sarah and Tim already know what it is. That isn't just big guest news. That is, that is huge guest news. Righteous. It may be, I don't want to say the best guest we've ever had in this studio, because I know that I'm going to be leaving somebody out. Who would you say right now? Let me just interrupt the flow of the program. Who would you say right now is the... See, I'm on tricky ground because I don't want to make anybody feel bad, but who would you say is the biggest person we've had in the studio physically, not on the phone? Nobody will ever beat Joshua Jackson Day. Uh, that's Joshua Jackson. He was in the studio with us. For me personally. Who else? Have we had Tina Yothers. That was pretty great. Uh, a lot of our guests are on the phone, like, you know, Peter Chris, Mandy Moore, but that was phone stuff. I'm trying to think of Jonathan Colton. That was a big deal. Great White. Great White. There you go. We had Great White in the studio. That was big. This is probably bigger than all of us. I mean, I'm just saying for Especially me. Especially being, like, the people in Portland. Totally. If you're in Portland, and as Sarah pointed out, if you are a dude between the ages of probably 27 and 40, uh, we're going to have a guest in the studio tomorrow that's going to blow your minds. All right. Uh, so we'll reveal that here in just a moment. Uh, if you'd like to email today, you can do it. It's rick at rickemerson.com. Rick at rickemerson.com. Tim at 970.am. Richie with a T at 970.am. Or uh, Sarah at 970.am. Here's what else is coming up today. Friends, neighbors, Romans, countrymen, boys, girls, children of all ages, connoisseurs of entertainment and whimsicality. Uh, we got CNN Radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins, uh, who will join us from the Hill today as, well, I mean, I was going to try to gild the lily. You know, and I don't think that means what I think it means. What does it mean to gild the lily? I don't know. I thought you I knew you'd say it all the time. I thought gilding the lily was taking something that wasn't all that great and trying to embroider it sufficiently so that it sounded positive. But now that I think about it, that doesn't make any sense at all. Because gilding is to, uh, to cover with gold, is it not? Mm-hmm. So maybe if you're gilding the lily, you are taking something that is already sufficiently positive and making it unnecessarily more so with said gilding. Not yeah. the confused with a gilding. It's to over-embellish. To over-embellish. All right. Well, what is it I'm doing if I'm taking a thing? Well, whatever. It doesn't matter. We're going to move on. Stop. Don't call about it now. Put down the phone. Put it down. Down. All right. Uh, I was going to try to sort of embroider this to make it a little prettier, but the economy is effed. And so Lisa Desjardins will discuss said effing of the economy with us uh, later on today. We'll also talk about the... Did you see the Barack Obama, his whole thing? Now they're rolling out a whole series of believers for Obama. Uh, trying to capture that, uh, trying to capture that right-wing religious vote, which isn't going to help, by the way. No. Uh, boy, I got to say this: I got to give it up to the Obama people. They've started to roll out some real serious ads. They've got that ad out now. Uh, that one that is, honor is not enough, or whatever it is. Uh, they take a pretty good sledgehammer to John McCain. It's just nothing but poll quotes from, and they do this great thing of not actually, not actually making these statements themselves. It's this 30-second ad. I think you can see it on YouTube, but it's an official Barack Obama ad. And it's nothing but poll quotes from various newspapers, magazines, media sources, and outlets with things like, John McCain is running the sleaziest, most live-filled campaign ever. And then at the end, just Barack Obama. So it really is too bad that Don LaFontaine is dead. Cause that you got, is true, isn't it? I mean, you got to imagine that one of the campaigns would be trying to pull that guy right now. Hey, does any of the, you know, do any of the campaigns use, like, either him or that Hal guy, the other in-a-world guy, the guy from the comedian trailer? In one man... It's about time. Somebody ought to be ripping that thing off for a uh, for a political ad. Here's my two cents. Uh, anyway, so we'll talk to Lisa Desjardins about the uh, latest with the election and the economy. We'll talk to Sina Radio correspondent James Roop. I guess there's already some sort of drama with the O.J. Simpson thing. First of all, because a juror went home with chest pains mm-hmm. and now is back. And then I guess there's some witness that was going to be there to talk about, yeah, O.J. crazy. 
And I guess he's not going to be there because he's he's ill or he's under the weather or something. And then, this is the best part, the prosecutor in the O.J. Simpson case actually made a direct reference to the 94 murders and uh, and acquittal of said murders. So, said something about, and I, I don't know the, the context in which he said it, but the prosecutor, in what you have to admit was really just his obvious play, found some way, while talking to O.J. Simpson about, uh, talking about O.J. Simpson stealing some, some football memorabilia, found a way to reference, oh yeah, it killed two people, yeah, allegedly. So that's interesting. So uh, what else is coming up today? Top five today. Top five Sarah X. Dillon lovelorn teenage angst songs. These are the songs to which Sarah Dillon, as a fresh-faced young teen, would sit alone in her room weeping about a lost love. So that's and last I name I probably didn't know. Yeah, I thought it was cute. And I don't know what they are either. I don't know. I think I know one of them, but that's it. So there's gonna and they're be. They're all really bad songs, but they're so poignant at the time because you know I, I was around that age, you know, like in the '90s. So they ain't good. Yeah, no, it's. But they spoke to me. It's all well. See, but it's all varying degrees of bad. I would say almost no one's teenage lovelorn anthems are good, like in the sort of abstract. And when you really pull back and look at these things objectively, because it's always just the most trite triacle. Uh, that just finds its way to your heart, right? I mean, things that are sort of sophisticated. You know, that's not what you want. Uh, you know, when you're say the throes of some sort of, uh, some sort of love affair that was probably only a one-sided love affair, and that the other person probably literally didn't know you exist. Mm -hmm. uh, they existed. I mean, sometimes you'll hear that phrase. He doesn't even know I existed. Or you'd be dating a boy in sixth grade, and by dating it means ignoring each other in the hallways. <laughs> and then you know, like every once in a while, writing a note like, "Do you like me? Yes. Do you like me? Yes. All right, we're dating." But or he throws totally he throws a rock at you on the playground. Exactly. Exactly. It's yeah. love. Jimmy's in love with me. How do you know? He dipped my pigtails in the inkwell, and then he broke a slate over my head. Uh, so, you know, but it's those moments when you don't really want something that's subtle. You don't want something that is sort of, uh, uh, you know, that it's sort of some very carefully structured uh, intellectual rumination on the vagaries of human emotion and love. You want Cinderella singing, don't know what you got till it's gone, <laughs> which is what I used to sit and listen to, by the way, when I wasn't listening to The Cure. I would sit in my room and I would have a double shot of Disintegration and Long Cold Winter by Cinderella playing like on an endless repeat on my uh, Pioneer 6-disc CD changer. And I had 6 discs, but just like sometimes you buy the whole seat and you only need the edge, I only needed two of those 6 discs because all I needed to hear was Long Cold Winter, the song, which features the refrain, It'll be a long cold winter without your love. Uh, and then don't know what you got till it's gone. Don't know what it is that went so wrong, wrong, wrong. And I would just put that back to back with pictures of you by The Cure uh, and then love song by The Cure. And then I would just sit there and just get my mope on. You know, and it's hard to mope, by the way, when you're a teenager because your parents are either, your parents are always doing one or two things. When you're moping as a teenager, your parents are either A, aware that you're moping, but they have somehow just forgotten what it's like to be in the depths of teenage lovesick depression. And so they're just, honey, I, I know you're, I know you're kind of down, but uh, your father and I are going to watch the 40-year-old virgin. Do you want to, I hear it's funny. Do you want to come out and, we're going to watch Mama's Family. You should come on out. I'll make you fish sticks. Hello? You know, so they either think they know how to get through your depression and they're wanting to talk to you and have you... We're going to watch Family Matters. You like... you, you Now, we, uh, do you remember we used to watch Family Matters all the time and you used to laugh? Come on out. Or, or they just have no clue at all what's going on uh, and they're coming and trying to get you to go do something exciting with the family, oblivious to the fact that you're in there wanting to, uh, you know, just throw a strap over the shower rod and be done with the whole thing. So you're in there. And you've got Depeche Mode's somebody just playing over and over and over again on an endless loop while you're wondering if you should go, you know, across the road or down the street. And your parents are... 
Hey, we're all going to go ice skating, and then we're going to go to uh, Cold Stone. So uh, why don't you get your get your get your muffler on, and we'll all go all out to the car. You know, and you just they just go leave me alone. You don't know what I know about the gray bleak apocalypse of the soul. Anyway, so we'll do that top five later on. Sarah Dillon's top five love lorn teenage angst songs. Uh, religious nutcase watch coming up today. Uh, Nina Parker from TMZ will be joining us. Uh, Cannibal Watch coming up today, which was sent to us by like a hundred different people. Taser Watch coming up today. And don't forget one random on-air caller today. Uh, you will win a copy of DC Superheroes, The Filmation Adventures. For the first time on DVD, see all your favorite superheroes in 18 different action-packed classic cartoons on this two-disc set. Starring DC Comics favorites Adam, The Flash, Green Lantern, and Hawkman. Uh, as well as tickets to Sport Fight 24... Domination happening Friday, September 19th, 7.30 p.m. in the Rose Garden Arena. So there you go. One random on-air caller today. Tim Riley working on the following stories for your edification. It's got to be 88 degrees today. Uh, cops are looking for Gresham skateboarders who are skating around stabbing people. Portland housing prices drop 7%. Great for buyers. Very sad for sellers. Washington Mutual stock is downgraded to junk. <laughs> I'm sorry, I had something in my throat. Washington Mutual stock is downgraded to junk. What does that mean? Junk. It's junk. <laughs> this is a this news is story, a by the way. That we're, yeah. Uh, Florida parents lock their daughter in a car trunk to prevent her from running away anymore. A 12-year-old Beaverton boy is credited for a revolutionary solar invention. Residents are hoping to end prostitution on 82nd. Not going to happen. 87% of BlackBerry users take their instrument to bed with them. Uh, Sandy McCain blasts the gals of the view for picking out John McCain. A 120-million-year-old ant is found in the Amazon. And uh, four Russian teenagers are killed in Eden. Well, okay, then. Oh, and I have something else for you. Yes? Chris Panic tipped me off on this, and I said, it can't possibly be true. Is my pot up? Thank you very much. Now, here's an attractive couple, Gail Farrell from Durand, Oklahoma. Dick Dale from Algona, Iowa. <clears throat> Excuse me. Let's listen to Gail and Dale and one of the newer songs. Gail and Dale? Mm-hmm. Listen to what they're singing. One talk over the line. Wow. One talk over the you line. are kidding me. No, I thought Chris Paddock was joking. Six times in a railway station. One talk over the line. Six Okay, could you pause that for just one second? Okay, first of all, you're blowing my mind, Tim Riley. Thank you, Chris Patty. Wow. This all is right. from 1971. So there's somewhere... Is the bringer of everything so we had Bob Ralston on yesterday, who was the keyboard player on the Lawrence Welk Show. And that is from the Lawrence Welk Show. Yes. And it is... You have to just... So those are the lamest, whitest people and, I've ever Bobby seen. Bobby and Sissy. Doesn't, doesn't Sissy look like she's tr- doing like a live-action strawberry shortcake thing with that get-up? Yeah. All, right, so All the gals out here like that. You need that. to post this on Riley Live. <laughs> people have to see. How would you describe this couple that is singing one toke over the line, Tim Riley? Well, they look like they're from uh, Lake Wobegon. They look like grown-up Campbell's soup kids. Okay, I'm going to post this. That's unbelievable. And so that's on the Lawrence Welk Show where Bobby and Sissy are singing One Talk Over the Line, which is a song about marijuana. Marijuana? Originally done by Brewer and Shipley. I have the 45. One Talk Over the Line. Sitting, what is it, sitting in town on the railway station? They one look talk like over the line. A porch swing. 
right. So they're somewhere between tune in and drop out right there. They're on the turn on stage of that process. I believe, so. I believe this is 1970. Jesus. One. All right. Do you have that? Can we play a little bit more of that? I'm going to post this here. Let's see. All so right. The, so it, Chris Paddock sent this to us mm-hmm. because of our interview with Bob Ralston yesterday. He was the keyboard player for the uh, Lawrence Sorry, Welk it's, Show. It's posted out rather live. Go. Open that the train is on time. Sitting downtown in a railway station. You look like a televangelist. over the line. Who do I've been changing, as you can plainly see. I felt the joy and I learned about the pain that my mama said. If I should choose to make a part of me, would you strike me dead? And now I'm one toke over the line, sweet Jesus, one toke yes, over the line. There's no words for how bizarre that is. <laughs> Downtown in a railway station. It looks like she's wearing a waitress outfit from the, uh, from IHOP. Okay, she looks like a really young way more wholesome Loretta Lynn and he you're right when you say he looks like a televangelist of some kind anybody out there wrestling fans who remember brother love he kind of has a little brother love thing going on is there any possibility they know what they're singing about here absolutely hoping that the train is on time Sitting downtown in a railway station, one took over the line. Don't you know that we're a sitting downtown in a railway station, one took, one took over the line. <laughs> the biggest smile. The expression of the priceless. Oh man, you gotta go to RileyLive.com and watch this. Thank you, Chris Paddock. You gotta go to Riley Live and watch this. The the look on their face when they do the big flourishy finish there. Are they so proud? One talk over the line, and then they have just a big Colgate smile, and it's, it's not like they're singing in church. It's like everything but the little ding sound coming out of their eyes and teeth as they give that big beaming sort of facial expression at the end. Wow, that's the best thing I've ever seen. I wonder, I wonder if that was some guy on the Lawrence Welk staff who was maybe dissatisfied with his position and decided to uh, slip one by old uh, old Lawrence. Yeah, no, Lawrence, it's about the... Uh, what, what is it? Wait, I came to the Lawrence Welk accent. Uh, what, is, uh, what is a toke, Johnny? Uh, toke is, uh, you know, like, uh, like a soft drink. It's a... Uh, toke is a... Um, it's a prayer. You're one prayer over the line. Oh, that's unbelievable. Thank you, Tim. Thank you, Chris Paddock. You can so see that, that should be up there any minute now. I just posted it. Riley Live. Oh, that's wonderful. We'll play that again later on. All right. Uh, okay, so a couple of things. We'll get the phone calls here in a second. Big guest news. I'll just go ahead and say this now. So tomorrow in studio, we're right here standing, I don't know, about three feet to my right, ladies and gentlemen. Tomorrow, 2 p.m., the one, the only, the legendary, the awe-inspiring the iconic Rowdy Roddy Piper oh will be in the studio with us tomorrow, 2 o'clock, which is just unbelievably great. Uh, I think we, we did a phoner with him a few years ago. We interviewed him, uh, I think, back at the KFTK days. We had him on the phone at one point. He was doing that show on the WB. Uh, tomorrow, Rowdy Roddy Piper of Pro Wrestling Hell Comes to Frogtown and They Live fame will be here in the studio with us. That's tomorrow, 2 o'clock. Uh, make a note of it, tell everybody enough. 
Tell all, tell everybody you know that it's a, tell all males between the ages of 25 and 54 tomorrow. <laughs> uh, the Rowdy Rowdy Piper will be here in the studio with us. So that is uh, glorious. Apparently his uh, kid fights in sport fight and will be participating in this Friday sport fight event. So that'll be tomorrow. Rowdy Rowdy Piper and his son uh, be in the studio with us. I can't get past that one toke over the line thing. Yeah. All right. Well, it's posted now. Joined today, as always, by the lovely and talented Sarah X. Dillon. Christ, it's almost 1130. How are you today? I'm not a man between 25 and 54, and I'm excited for tomorrow. It's, man, it's that is Because I don't really know a lot about him, but I know enough to where I know that my friends would be just completely excited. He's, he's a big deal. He really is. And not just because he's from Portland, not just because I mean, he was really... You know, the early days of the WWE, back when it was still the WWF, he really carved out his own niche. And I have to tell you this, growing up as a kid, and I'm not just saying this because he's in Portland and because he's giving me the show, uh, growing up, he was, hands down, flat out, without a doubt, my favorite wrestler. Because, I don't know if you know this, but you know what Rowdy Roddy Piper's gimmick was? I mean, he wore a kilt, obviously, his whole, you know, the whole Scottish thing. But his gimmick beyond doing the bagpipe Scottish kilt, whatnot, his gimmick was that he was a talk show host. That was his thing. Is that he, and this is when I was a little kid, it already resonated with me. He had this segment on the WWF called Piper's Pit. And it was sort of a, uh, you know, like a, like a Tonight Show Jay Leno kind of a thing, except that it was hosted by Rowdy Roddy Piper, and he was a pro wrestler, and he would have guests come on, and he would sit there in his kilt and just like bulging big ass muscles, like ripping through the shirt, and he'd, you know, it's just this powerfully built guy, looked like he was going to, you know, belt you right in the chops. And he would say, all right, now, here on Piper's Pit, we've got Captain Lou Albano and the, whoever would come on. And then it was the most fantastic thing when you were me because the talk show, no matter what the subject was, no matter who the guest was, no matter what the area of discussion, the talk show would always devolve into somebody being hit in the face with a folding chair. Which is how all talk shows should be, really. So Was that him specific, or did everyone hit each other with? Well, the folding chairs are and were big in pro wrestling. But every single talk show segment would devolve into him taking a guy and, like, uh, breaking him over a coffee table or something. So it was massively entertaining to a young Rick Emerson. Anyway, he's going to be in the studio with us. That's uh, so cool. So you want to tell everybody what you did last night, Sarah Dillon? Yes. I bartended for the first time. Now, this is not bar backing. This is not bar backing. I was actually behind the bar by myself. All right. Making drinks. Didn't make too many mistakes. I mean, it's all, you know, a learning thing. But, yeah, my... um. M- the owner, she's the one who's training me, and she's a friend of mine, and she's just like, all right. And so I came in there, I'm like, all right, I'm ready to bar back. And she's like, nope, you're bartending. She's like, I'm going to sit on the other side of the bar, and I'm going to be doing my office stuff. She's like, good luck. Thrown yeah. into the deep end. It was, and that's, I think it's the best way to learn, because I was so nervous when I was first pouring. Like, these girls must have thought I was on crack or something, so I was, like, pouring a beer, and I was shaking. And I, like, bring the beer up, and I couldn't remember how much it was, and I'm just like, oh, and flaily. But then after after an hour, I kind of... Now, you're just serving beer or you're mixing drinks? Mixing drinks, too. See, I, now, see, now, you are a social person, much more so than I am. Uh, and I learned early on that drinking ends poorly for me. So that's not a thing at this point in my life that I have a lot of experience with. Uh, but I, is it... Here's a dumb question. I mean, is it hard to remember how to make a drink when a guy comes up and he goes, give me a sidecar? The best thing about the place that I work is that they don't make any drinks that the ingredients aren't in the title. So, so the guy like, says gin and gin yeah, and tonic. So like you know, wh- uh, whiskey and coke, vodka soda, vodka tonic. That's it. She said, yeah. She said, she's like, we don't make any fan. Like anyone tries to tell you anything fancy. So you a guy's not gonna give me a Harvey Wall banger. Yeah, I mean they make martinis and stuff. Um, but yeah, for the most part, it's just you know, like a lot of a lot of people drink like whiskey gingers there. Can I tell you? And this makes me less of a man. Uh, can I tell you that I have never tried a martini? And the reason I have never tried a martini is because it, I have never tried a martini for the same reason that I have never tried cocaine. 
because, not to equate the two, but because everybody I know who drinks martinis keeps saying, hey, you know, I know what you like, and you would love this right here. And, I mean, that's sort of the I reason. drink martinis. It's like... Just all alcohol. Yeah, I have mm. poor impulse control, uh, and so I know that if I started drinking martinis, I would more than likely be incapable of stopping, uh, and then you would just find me covered in my own sputum. Well, that's like people who don't drink a lot, and then they order, you know, a drink, and they drink it really, really fast. Yeah. Because they don't, they don't really know that you kind of pay. <laughs> like, put it right back. I know a few people yeah. like that who will like finish four drinks in an hour and be out for the night. Yeah. Uh, all right. So a couple of things before we uh, before we break here. So. I meant to talk about this earlier, but uh, I lost track of it myself with all the excitement. What with the one toke over the line and the uh, rowdy, rowdy piper and so forth. So, I came to work this morning, my regular time, and then I had to duck out and take... I, had, I Basically, I had to run home because I left something. I left my day planner at home, and I know that's a minor thing to some people, but I'm so type A and just OCD about everything. If I don't have my day planner, just the, the day grinds to a halt. Because I, unlike a lot of people, I still live in the age of papyrus. And so I know there's some people who just, uh, they back everything up in their outlook or in their online scheduling or whatever. And I don't. Everything goes on the paper in my day planner and I carry it with me everywhere I go. And I am the, the, just a real compulsive freak about that. So if I get to work and I have my day planner, it's like getting to work and not have your phone. I mean, you're just apt for the whole day. So I get to work, look around and don't, no day planner. Get in my car, jet home, come back. When I left, my office was fine. When I came back to the office this morning, there was a note on my door that says, my door was closed, by the way, and there was a crudely written uh, note on my door that said, squirrel in here. <laughs> Let me see it. Except, except it was written squirrel, like with, an, well, like with an extra E. Well, you always think you spell it wrong anyway. Yeah, so it said squirrel in here on my office door when I got back to, uh, to the station today. And squirrel. And I walked down to Susan Reynolds' office. You know, there was somebody Googled squirrel between this, this misspelled one and this one. I think it was Dave Zinn. So I walked down to Susan's office and I said, "What the hell? Like, what? what the? And she goes, "Oh, I think there's a squirrel in your office. He was in my office this morning." And you heard it actually been talking about it in the recap today that when I was here on Friday, everybody else was gone to Rockfest. Office is really quiet. So the squirrel. Uh, sort of jumps down and starts foraging like he's eating everything there is to eat in the attic. And so he jumps down to this level so he can have access to our big supply of donuts. And he was running up and down just doing all of these, uh, you know, uh, just doing all of these laps up and down the hallway on Friday. I thought that they had caught him and gotten rid of him over the weekend. Apparently not. So I guess this morning the squirrel was in Susan Reynolds' office. Cheryl the Hawaiian said she walked into her cubicle this morning and the squirrel was sitting on her keyboard staring at her. It, it, it defecated in one of the salespeople's cubes. I think also. it was hers. Really? I think Dave Zinn said so. Yeah. So they, they thought the salespeople's area was a restroom. So the squirrel has started staking a claim. I mean, you know, first it's the ceiling, then it's Jeff Wright's cubicle, then it's Susan's office, then it's my office. The next thing you know, he's running the joint and flipping all the formats to, uh, you know, the easy listening. So I came back and my office is closed today, and I can't get in there. And Dave Zinn's like, the guy from the pest control is going to be coming by to catch the squirrel, so you can either stay out here or... And I'm like, well, I have to go in. I have to prep and so i just do this thing of knocking on the door and so it sounds like i'm you know asking the squirrel permission to come in but i knock on the door which is basically to let the squirrel know that i'm coming in so he'll get away from the door and not run into the hallway so i knock on the door and then i go in shut the door behind me and then i'm just in there my office alone trapped with the squirrel for the better part of an hour and a half while i'm prepping for the show and then Dave Zinn opens the door, and it's Dave Zinn and some guy with two big, not like butterfly nets, but like nets that like you get a trout out of the river with. And they come in, and meanwhile, Tim has come into my office to ask me about the to ask me about a station matter. Uh, and so Tim and I are in there talking. The door opens. Dave Zinn comes in. The Steve Irwin guy comes in with him. He's got the nets. 
And the next thing I know, the Steve Irwin guy is underneath my desk, rousting the squirrel, who I think was just sleeping comfortably, chasing him around the office. I look over. Tim, there's a coffee table in my office that I keep magazines and stuff on. Tim has jumped onto the coffee table, like no offense, a 1950s housewife. You betcha. Doing everything but... by a squirrel. Really? And, and then, in all the excitement, Dave Zinn shuts my finger in your office door. So Dave Zinn oh, closes man. the office door on Tim Riley's finger. Tim is doing everything but clutching his petticoats uh, to his knees. The guy is capturing the squirrel. The squirrel keeps leaping out, runs onto my desk at one point. I'm standing in a corner trying not to get bit by a squirrel that everybody has told me is rabid. I mean, really, it was all kinds of unnecessary excitement. So there you go. So the squirrel does appear to be gotten rid of, but i got to tell you, they got rid of one this weekend, and frankly, they come in with these traps like every 90 days. And you, I don't know what you're doing with the traps. You need to step it up a little bit because you're being outwitted by a thing that has a brain the size of a kidney bean. So whatever it is you're doing, maybe it's time to, to rethink that, huh? All right. In any event, I don't have time to get to these notes. We'll take a break. We'll come back. CNN Radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins around the corner. Uh, coming up at noon, Tim Riley from the Ministry of Truth. Later on, Jim Roop, Sarah Dillon's top five lovelorn teenage angst songs. Nina Parker from TMZ. Uh, Religious Nutcase Watch, Cannibal Watch, Taser Watch. Tomorrow, Rowdy Rowdy Piper. Stay there. Back after this. The Rick Emerson radio program. Right. Now I got all this, uh, all this stuff I didn't get to because of all the squirrel and token. Apparently, I haven't heard this. I think we faded it out at the end before this played. Chris Paddock just jumped in, jumped in the break and told me that after that song is finished, this is the Lawrence Welk show's rendition of "One Toke Over the Line." Apparently, at the end, Lawrence Welk himself comes on and identifies it as being quote a modern spiritual. One toke over the line, sweet Mary. For the love of God. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from the Hill. CNN Radio correspondent to the stars, the one and only Lisa Desjardins. Hello there. Hello. How are you? I'm uh, I'm a little uh, I'm a little thrown off today, frankly. I'm a little uh, I'm coloring a bit outside the lines inside my own head. <laughs> You know what? But that needs to happen. What do you, you know, you don't want to be too Stepford. Do you watch Futurama? Um, I have. I, I can't say I'm currently watching it. I, well, I think no. I'd misrepresent if I said that. No one's currently watching it. But uh, <laughs> when you did the laugh just then, when I said I was coloring outside the lines, you sounded just like the blonde newscaster who sits next to Morbo. And Morbo is, you know, Morbo is the alien who does the news. Uh, and then she is the sort of perky sidekick. No offense. And he always says things. He he always starts the news and then he ends with and Morbo will destroy all humans and then there's a pause and then she just goes <laughs> now sports and you kind of had a little bit of that laugh going on just now I I like it actually I know oh. I probably should be uh, feel feel a little uh, uh, frightened by that but I like it no 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 it's okay and so yeah, to answer your question how am I today yes um, how are you I'm I'm feeling a little I'm feeling a little rat a little jumbled today trying to uh, trying to hold on to sort of some logical the pro progression of events that will take me through this program with a minimum of chaos today, but it's a, it's a bit of a challenge. Uh, I had some stuff to do this morning. Not that you care about this, but I had some stuff to do this morning. So I got up earlier than normal, and so I got a little less sleep than I should have. But because I got up early, I had to have some coffee really just to kind of get myself going. So I had coffee earlier than I should have. Also, I had an additional cup of coffee, like like one more than I normally do. I'm one cup over the line. And so I got my caffeine intakes a little off today. Then I got to work, realized... 
forgot my day planner, left it at home, and that just without my day planner, I just nothing gets done. It's just like I just, I just become I become immobilized, like I'm in Medusa's statuary. So they get in my car, go home, get my day planner. And no lie, when I come back, the audience just heard the story, but when I come back, my office door is shut, and there's a crudely drawn note on my door saying that I can't go in because my office is trapping a squirrel. No. There is a squirrel trapped in my office when I get back today. And at a certain point, I have to break down and just get my show prep done, so I go into the office, and the squirrel and I are locked in the office together. For the Like some bad, and doesn't that sound like some bad, uh, sort of surreal alternate universe sitcom? You know, he's a talk show host and she's a squirrel. They're in one office together. See, I'm almost going the other direction. I'm feeling kind of like a Twin Peaks vibe. You know, you look at the squirrel, the squirrel looks at you. Lots of lots of silent, uh, you know, meaningful looking exchange with no meaning. And then and then the squirrel appears in my dream talking backward. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so I'm sitting in my office this morning, you know, me and the squirrel. Uh, and uh, which means, you know, in my head prompts some sort of uh, 1970s sitcom-esque theme song, you know, my squirrel and me, bow. Uh, and so I'm sitting in the office doing my show prep, and just as I'm trying to get like a semblance of, you know, trying to trying to find like an emotional baseline within myself so I'm calmed down again, then there's a knock at the door, and a guy comes in with two of those big nets that it's like they have on the Outback Angling Show for like to scoop a rainbow trout up with, and he comes in with two of those. And then it's just absolute unbridled chaos in my office for about 10 minutes as the guy is chasing the squirrel from one corner of my office to another. Meanwhile, Tim Riley has come in to ask me a question. He sees the squirrel and, no lie, jumps up on a coffee table in my office and stands on his tiptoes as though he was a housewife from a Tom and Jerry cartoon. Oh, that's great. Meanwhile, every time the guy catches the squirrel, he manages to hold on to the squirrel for like a second and a half, and then the squirrel jumps out of the net and begins running around the office again like a weasel on speed. (laughs) And the whole time, I'm just looking at my watch thinking, I have to get things done because I have to go be entertaining in 25 minutes. And then I finally get into the studio, and it was... uh, And then I got into the studio, and I wasn't on the air five minutes today, and Tim Riley unveiled, I swear to you, the Lawrence Welk Show performing Brewer and Shipley's One Toke Over the Line. This is incredible. I heard you talking about that. That is amazing to me. Amazing is not the word. Uh, (laughs) The next time you have a moment on the... Do they restrict your internet use? No, not that I know of. Because you're a news gatherer. You have to be able to go places. News gatherer, exactly. Go to uh, Riley... Live, R-I-L-E-Y, live.com. Go to RileyLive.com, which is Tim's website, and watch this Lawrence Welk video of One Toke Over the Line, which Lawrence Welk identifies as being a modern spiritual. Oh, fantastic. I have it called up. I will play it as soon as we are finished. It's quite unlike anything you've ever seen. I give you my word on that. (laughs) And tell me if you don't get a strawberry shortcake vibe off the woman who's singing. Oh, really? Okay. All right. Um... Jesus. All right. I don't even even know where to begin. So... I don't either. What is up with our... our stupid, economy? mangled, hopelessly doomed economy. Right. How about that? How about that? You know, uh, the Dow, oh, you know, CNN had the Dow Jones up all day. It's, it's, I don't, I don't have it. Any, I can't tell you right now where the Dow Jones is, but obviously, uh, not in great territory. And just in the last half hour, the Federal Reserve has announced that they are not changing interest rates right now, which is pretty significant because, uh, there's a lot of pressure on them to help out Wall Street. And if they lowered interest rates, Wall Street would just be delighted. Wall Street, it, would, it would make Wall Street's life much easier, uh, help, help some people make some money on Wall Street. But the Federal Reserve saying, no, we're not going to do that. I, I, you know, the way that folks are interpreting this is 
the Federal Reserve is waiting to see exactly what else is going to happen because now we have the nation's largest insurance company, AIG, may go under. Uh, they're trying to kind of doing the doggy paddle right now in the water, trying to trying to make it to solid ground, but it's not clear if AIG is going to survive. And and it, there is definitely a sense, you know, there is sort of there are the people who who are hoping for panic, perhaps yourself, uh, but then there are a lot of people who just your regular garden variety, uh, you know, boring, white, older analyst guy, they're all saying, yep, there's more to come. You know, can I tell you, uh, I was uh, at uh, one of our local casinos uh, over the weekend with my wife. We were going there to see uh, to see Dennis Miller uh, live. And oh, great. So we were there, and, you know, my wife is much more of a gambler than I am. She's, uh, you know, she's way better at all forms of gaming than myself. I just, you know, I got like, it's like they see me coming, and they see me coming, and the casino just starts figuring that they're going to expand into a new wing because I, <laughs> I lose so much money. But so... So Lara had a real bad night at the craps table, though, uh, and I was up in my room just being lame, uh, just reading a book and eating eating bad nachos. She comes up to the room, and she said, uh, you know, she said, I'm done with craps for the night. And I said, oh, well, how, how did it go? How'd you do? And she said, let's put it this way. The next time, uh, you know, work calls, tell them that I will take any overtime they offer me. Oh, no. And I said, that's, you know, enough said. I don't know any more about it. So that was on, uh, that was on uh, Saturday night. I came home yesterday. And my wife, who is you know, far and away the more financially responsible uh, you know, member of the couple, I came home yesterday and my wife was sitting in front of uh, her Yahoo Finance page and just with her head sort of slumped and like in her hands. And I said, hey, uh, how'd we do? And she said, I'm going to go back to playing craps because I lost less money that way. Oh. So there you go. Wow. Yeah. You know what? That's happening everywhere. And I think... You know, Wall Street to some people is kind of, people will look at their 401ks and, you know, it, it does matter to a lot of people, but I think it can be a little remote. You know, I think yesterday almost as significant was news that Hewlett Packard is cutting back almost 25,000 jobs. You know, I mean, that, that is, that is a lot of jobs. Now, half of, only half of that is in the United States, but that's still 12,000 jobs. Right. You know, and, and the truth is we're at a point where that's kind of a, you know, that gets a mention. Yeah, it's. I mean, it really is just. Uh, it, you know, one of my girlfriends, who's a great reporter, um, I was sitting down with her after work yesterday, and she's like, "It's just falling apart, isn't it?" You know, and she's not someone who's prone to the hyperbola, kind of, hyperbole to exaggeration, and she just, it's, it's just, we're doomed, we're doomed. <laughs> I, uh, I really do have to say, it's so certain, much, but it's bad right now. As a journalist, you probably uh, run out of ways to talk about how bad it is, right? You've, you've got your thesaurus there, and you've still plowed through all the synonyms for fail. Well, you know, the funny thing is that, yeah, it's, it is, it is really bad on Wall Street. It's, you can throw all those adjectives out there, but you know, most Americans are figuring out ways to get by. And right now, uh, you know, for the, for the last probably three or four years, a lot of Americans have already kind of been, um, down, downgrading, kind of, uh, not spending as much. And that's one reason the economy isn't doing as well because people's real incomes haven't been going up and real costs are going up. So people have already, I think, been cutting back or they've been dealing with, uh, you know, they can't go out and, you know, buy whatever they right. want. Uh, some people still do, of course. But I, I think that the, the fact is that people are, could feel even more. You know, right now we're at a good point where gas prices are going back down. It looks like oil prices are going back down. So things that people that are real to us, you know, are, are okay. You know, but I think that the problem is that 
as Wall Street unravels, then we could really get into trouble that affects us <clears throat> in our living rooms. And, and so far, that hasn't happened. I got to, I got, and I know you, do you probably, do you have to go here? Do you have a second to listen to my blabber? I mean, no, I've got a second, yeah. I got two things. One, uh, one of my true heroes, uh, Abby Hoffman, wrote this great book, largely outdated now, but, uh, but an infamous book in its day called Steal This Book. And, uh, and was actually, you know, it was, it was banned. They tried to prosecute him, I think, for, for even writing it. It was basically how to sort of swindle the man and get by for nothing in this world. And it seems like somebody ought to do, not to steal this book thing, but somebody, the market right now, you know what it'd sell is one of those, you know, you got those like New York on $9 a day or whatever. Somebody just ought to do a like, you, your own life on $9 a day. Uh, where they're talking about not a, not a travel book, not a tourism guide, not a thing for going to another country, another place, but literally your, your own life. You know, your town for $5 a day, uh, some sort of a, you know, how to sort of get by in a tough economic time, even if you're not traveling, sort of a book. Secondly, this is now the time for a sidebar piece, Lisa, about Ooh, like about recession-proof businesses, and is there such a thing? Because you always hear, well, you know, uh, liquor, that's a, that's a recession-proof industry, or, you know, gambling for that matter. My wife and I were having this discussion about casinos, and do you suppose that in tough economic times, Casino business goes up, down, stays the same. I really don't know. I wonder. I'll tell you, you know, the, one of the biggest recession-proof businesses, I would argue maybe the biggest. Religion. Government. Oh, well, gov- well yes, government. That's, government. Yes. So, yeah, Washington, Washington, A-OK right now. Washington itself is doing A-OK. And, in fact, actually, housing prices here in Washington really haven't changed. Some of them are starting to go up, and that that is for two reasons. It's because when there is a recession, when there are economic problems, uh, you know, usually Congress doesn't really take away layers. More often they add new layers to right. government. And then the other is whenever there's a new administration, there's always a great buffer period where there's sort of a doubling up of people left over from the last regime and All new right. people from the new one. And while I and I do recognize the polite but unmistakable way that you acknowledged and then brushed off my sidebar story idea, so I'll give you one more before we go. <laughs> okay. Here's another well, it's sidebar. Yeah, it's like maybe I'll do. I'll, maybe I'll surprise you. Don't, don't, don't turn my show into a house of lies. <laughs> uh, Steve Kastenbaum at least pretends to like ideas. He'll go, that's a great idea that I'll never do. I uh, wish I were as nice as Steve Kastenbaum. He's, so, he's great. Uh, uh, so, okay, here's one more idea. There's a little more, there's a little more out there. A little, wait for it, a little, yes. little edgy. Okay, how about okay. this? Because I was watching Breaking Bad the other day which is a, a powerful but depressing program. I don't really know that I can stick with it. It's just too dark. And that's saying something for me. It's just too bleak. But, um, you know, but Breaking Bad is about a guy who finds out he has like two years to live, inoperable cancer, wants to leave his family some money. He's a high school science teacher, becomes a meth dealer. And, oh, yes. you know, yeah, yeah, right. I haven't seen this, but I've seen the previews. Great, right. great premise, bleak show. How about this? Rather than talking about recession-proof industries, he, this would be an interesting sidebar article, and I know you guys are always trying to attract more eyeballs. How about this? An analysis of how the downturn of the economy affects illicit businesses. I think that is a great. I think I think that's a great story. For example, I am really curious about, and I'm not saying that uh, you know we don't advocate any of this behavior, but I am really curious to know. Okay, so if banks are failing, Wall Street's in the, in the dumper. How does that affect a guy who is a coke dealer? I mean, and not like a wholesaler, like a guy who deals coke to you know some like a functional addict. Some guy lives in the suburbs. Does a little does a little blown out again. How does how is his dealer affected by this downturn? How is somebody who runs an illicit prostitution service affected by this? I would be really curious to know about people who deal in illicit businesses that nonetheless target a fairly mainstream clientele. 
How are they affected by this economy? Right, and are some, I mean, do guns do better than drugs? That's what I'm saying. You know, we, there were a couple months ago, uh, I think that, I can't remember if it was Homeland Security, someone came out with a press release saying that uh, because of, you know, the U.S. war on drugs, that the actual, the price of drugs, some street drugs was going up because there's less supply. Right, right. So I don't know how, I don't know how that plays in, plays in, but also yesterday, the FBI released its basically uh, annual crime inventory and saying that violent crime has again gone down, which shocked me because I feel like for years we have seen disparity. We've seen the right. poor getting poorer, rich getting richer, but yet somehow the FBI says violent crime has gone down, so I don't know. Oh, and I'm sorry about the polar bear that was apparently causing trouble in D.C. this morning. Oh, I didn't know about the polar I know grizzly. There's some good news for grizzly bears today. No, apparently there was a... Uh, That's a different story. Apparently there was... Uh, I'm reading this now from, uh, from Metro. This is from Tim Riley, our news director. Apparently a giant polar bear... It was a six-foot-tall stuffed animal of a polar bear. Uh, it kept a uh, one of the city's metro stops in D.C. shut down for a couple of hours because they rushed the cops and bomb squad out to deal with it. So there oh, no kidding. That's yeah. great. Right, today? That happened today? That was this morning, I believe. I bet it was on the orange line. All right. I'm going to try to be less crazy tomorrow. Uh, are you on tomorrow? Bring it. Uh, I am. I'll be here tomorrow. All right. You will be the recipient of my hopefully relatively increased sanity. I, you know, I like, I like it either way. All right. Thank sanity you, Sanity is overrated. I'm, see, that's what I'm talking about. Why can't you be my shrink? Really? It's true, though. Think of how much money I could say going to the shrink. I'm crazy. And he goes, well, what of it? You know, and then I go home. So, all right. Thank you, Lisa. Okay. Bye. There you go. All right. I think I'm, think I'm gathering control of my faculties here. Yay. I try to be less thrown off by changes to my routine recently, but really, it must be said, that whole adrenaline jolt of the guy, and let me ask you this, Tim, not to anthropomorphize beyond the state of, you know, I don't know, reason here, but... You find yourself feeling sorry for the squirrel this morning? You know, I did. Because I thought the squirrel finally triumphed in his life. He finally picked out the office he wanted. He made himself at home, put his feet up. Like, it was his own version of Don Draper, really. And then here comes the man. Taking uh, it all away. And you know what? And you're right, Tim, really. I mean, is really, in a way, Tim, isn't the squirrel all of us? And aren't all of us the squirrel? Yeah. Because he started Humble Beginnings, a tree. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he moves to maybe his first uh, like studio apartment, the attic. Mm-hmm. And then he moves to uh, maybe a, a nice place that he has to share with roommates, which is the floor and you know running around and squatting in Cheryl's uh, cubicle. Then he finally finds his own place, which is a small pile of papers underneath my desk, where, as you pointed out, he was curled up and fast asleep, mm-hmm. his own private dwellings and lodgings. And then, uh, you know, as he always does, the man ruins everything. Coming him, rousing him up, trying to shove him into a net. That's no way to end your life, shoved into a net by some pasty-faced bastard with a, you know, with a, with a uh, bad mustache. That's a poor way to end things. So, all right. Well, they swore to God they weren't going to kill him. I know that's probably a lie, but I'm going to cling to it. Maybe they bring the same squirrel back at night. Well, can I just say this one final thing about the squirrel? Yeah. So the squirrel that I saw on Friday, who was just doing this decathlon all around the building. So Crystal Cash, who works on KUFO. She and I think Court caught a squirrel that they, as Hooper would say in Jaws, they caught a squirrel, not the squirrel. Because mm-hmm. they're like, no, we caught that squirrel. We kicked him out in the park. And I'm like, well, what does it look like? And they're like, well, really small, maybe like two-thirds normal size, pretty thin, gray. And I was like, that's it. That's totally him. Because most squirrels are like just sort of big and brown, right? Mm-hmm. And so I figured they'd gotten the squirrel. So, But then the squirrel appeared today. So it's either the same squirrel coming back. Because they don't seem, it doesn't seem possible they can keep the squirrels out of this building. That's the other thing. If the guy keeps coming back, taking the squirrels away, I almost think, I'm not saying this is the case, but it almost is like, 
the guy himself is putting the squirrels back in the building. That's what I was thinking. Because we have to keep bringing them back every right, night. Right, it's the same squirrel. I mean, what are we paying that and guy for? And somebody did write me, uh, Janice actually wrote me and said that it costs like $700 to get squirrels out of her, um, like, heat events. Hold on. We're going to do this before we break. Then we'll find out. Well, I guess a squirrelologist is uh, a skilled... You mean Squirel, Tim? Yes, Squirel. you got a, this note is hilarious. Squirel in office. Hello, I'm John McCain, and I approve this message. Okay. Hi, Dave. How are you? Hello. Hey, uh, let me ask you this about the squirrel. So, yes. is it now, let's not identify the company, but is there some company that we pay, do we pay that squirrel guy every time he comes out, or are they, like, on retainer? Do you know? Well, we paid him one flat fee, and uh, today uh-huh. was a freebie. Wait, so we paid him one flat fee, but he's been here several times, hasn't he? We paid him. We paid him a f- flat fee for the job, which was to eliminate the squirrels. And today he didn't charge us because he because didn't. He didn't eliminate the squirrels because yeah. he left one behind. Yeah. So yes, he's been here three times, and he was paid one fee. And uh, he's also used to be in radio and likes to come by. So when when did he come to take the traps out of the ceiling? When? Yeah. Friday. Friday. Okay. He put them on the roof. Because, you know, because Court and Crystal caught a squirrel, like, on Thursday night or something. So there's actually been several squirrels that have made their way down. They're losing their fear of us, Dave. This is the problem. I mean, this is, this is, not, unlike the, uh, this is not unlike the aliens in the film of the same name. Uh, you know what I mean? Where they figured out how to crawl, uh, you know, through the rafters inside the room, and then they drop down, and the next thing you know, you got to blow yourself up with Vasquez in an air vent. Which side are you on? Uh, well, at this point, I'm kind of rooting for the squirrels, frankly. Okay. All right. Thank you. Bye. Bye. You know, I mean, look, I understand that it's, uh, you know, it's our office and this is our time down here and whatever. But uh, but it really, whenever man faces off against nature, I got to admit it, I root for nature. I always do. So, And plus, I've become more tolerant in my old age. You know, I don't kill spiders anymore. I capture them and I take them out and I wish them the best of health. Just ask them to do their business elsewhere. Yeah, I try not to kill things. Even if it's a mosquito or something, I pick it up and paper towel, open the fridge door and give it yeah. a chance to live. Yeah, and it's not like I believe in karma or, you know, like reincarnation or any of that jive. It's just like... You know, I kind of dig spiders. You know, they're just trying to get by, as are we all. You don't have to squish everything. No. (laughs) Not everyone has to act like Big (laughs) Cheney. All right, then. More of that wit around the corner. Tim Riley's noon news hour on the way, kids. Don't go anywhere. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Show. This really is centering me. Dum ba dum bum 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 bum. Oh, it's it's true. He is. 
Show's new news hour only on AM 970, The Talker. Indeed. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. To more economic news, now the British bank Barclays has confirmed it is in talk with Lehman Brothers about acquiring some of its assets. So maybe some laser printers or office chairs I or something. I was going to say that some of those headset telephones. Those would be nice. Yeah. Other than that, there's really nothing left that's worth anything. So the British Bank Barclays uh, will buy something that belongs to Lehman Brothers. Locally, a flagger was struck by a motorcyclist while she was working along a northwest Portland road this morning. It was a red motorcycle left the seat after striking the worker. The flagger has a broken arm, broken leg, but her injuries don't appear to be life-threatening. The collision occurred at 9098 Northwest Thompson Road. Star being seen by motorcycles. Mm-hmm. Also, can I say this? Yes. Uh, so I was at a, you know, and riding a motorcycle is one of those things that, you know, that I don't do because I'm a big uh, chicken, but, you know, whatever. I don't care. It doesn't, doesn't matter to me. Um, but I will say this. I was at an intersection the other day, and I was next to, I think, what may be not only the loudest motorcycle I've ever heard, but the loudest noise of any kind at all. And it was one of those guys who clearly just has the tiniest pair on Earth, and he's decided that to compensate for that, he needs to have a motorcycle that everybody on Earth can hear. And, I mean, and, you know, I don't do that jazz about, no, 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 the motorcycles are loud so that cars will notice them. If that were true, then motorcycles would just have, sort of have a uniform loudness to them. But we all know that there's some guy out there, just got you know, just got the whole, uh, you know, Big uh, pants full of nothing. And he decides that the way he's going to deal with this and impress all of us with his alleged manhood is to make the motorcycle like 300 decibels. And it was that thing where the light turns green and he hits the gas in the motorcycle and it starts doing that like thing. And it's just like as loud as can be. And you can, and as he's changing gears, you can still hear him as he's like 300 yards away. And I swear to you, I uh, really... That is one of those things where you really do just pray for the hand of God to come down and just pick him up and just take him away to Valhalla. You know what I mean? There's one even worse. How about the giant pickup truck powered by diesel fuel? Yeah. This guy thinks he's so cool. Well, that diesel truck hardly ever moves anymore. That's right. Looks like gas or diesel fuel has gone through the roof. It just stays parked there. Yeah. No, I... uh, Not so cool now, are you, Mr... And of course, I uh, I of course uh, encourage everyone to follow all posted uh, speed limits and treat other drivers with respect. But really, in just sort of a sort of a Kirk Cameron left behind kind of way, if God could just sort of wave his magic God wand or whatever it is, and suddenly all those guys—and I'm really only talking about the guys who have the motorcycle, where they've paid like five hundred dollars some guy to make it three times as loud as it needs to be—you know, just some sort of—I look over and like that, he's gone. Yeah, and he's uh, gone to sit at the uh, the right hand of Odin or something. That'd be really be that'd be fantastic. Uh, so since you're talking about the guy in the diesel truck, yes. Did I tell you about that article that was in the Portland Tribune a while back where they were interviewing a bunch of people who still drive their Humvees around, and the guy's just desperately trying to make make it look like it's not retarded. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, 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 it's fine. Well, how many miles did the gallon you get? Nine. <laughs> it's like you wonder how they were able to interview him with a straight face. Uh, and finally. I thought that in this city, Tim Riley, you were no longer allowed to use leaf blowers. I thought that was a thing that we got rid of here hmm. in Portland. That's a good question. I know they use them on my yard. 
Yeah, Only when I'm gone, time. though. I thought that they were illegal. I thought that the, the city had passed some noise ordinance. I mean, you couldn't uh, use lo- uh, leaf blowers. Because I swear to God, I heard a leaf blower going this morning, like, way before I wanted to get up. So, you know, that I'm is... not sure about that. And what is it about leaf blowers that is uniquely irritating? I mean, there's all kinds of sounds. There's the fingernails on the chalkboard, and when you scrape the, the plate with your fork, and uh, people blowing their nose or whatever. There's all kinds of bad sounds. What is it about leaf blowers that is so perversely bad well well the noise itself i mean for, for the amount of work it does for pushing as m- much stuff as it does with this small instrument this person is carrying mm-hmm. apparently that's the noise it requires to do that you feel like the noise is not unlike the guy with the motorcycle vastly disproportionate to the yeah. amount of work that it's getting done i mean really you know we're all such fat bastards in this country get a rake i mean would it would it would it be so hard to get a, to, to, just pretend that you're doing some aerobic exercise Speaking of fat bastards, I, I yes, was him. I was at Wendy's getting my weekly fries. Yes, and across from me is a father and his son. I would imagine the son can't be more than six or seven years old, already overweight like the dad. And the dad. Bought- I will say that uh, first of all, you get the fries there. I do. Now see, the fries there are great. Yes, they are. I'm saying for me, the fast food fries. First of all, McDonald's fries are great. Wendy's fries are great. Burger King. Had good fries uh, for a while. See, but I haven't gone there for a while, so I don't know if the fry, because you hear that people change up that fry recipe now and again. But, um, you know, Wendy's has also got, first of all, Wendy's has got, because, I, you know, I don't eat a lot of what we, I don't think we call it fast food anymore. I think we call it quick service. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't eat a lot of that, but i got to tell you, Wendy's has got that, they've got that baked potato that is just fantastic. You go in there, it's like the baked potato, and you can get it with like a little cheese and ham inside. Not enough to sort of counteract the fact that it's, you know, it's relatively healthy. If you're going to, like, work out or something, especially you do a little carb loading. Uh, they got that baked potato, Wendy's chili, also really good. Wendy's chili is amazing. Wendy's chili is good, and I have to say that every now and again I have consumed the Baconator, uh, which I do find to be uh, I do find to be satisfying. I mean, it's like 15 pounds of, of meat. Well, but It's across from Home Depot. That's why I go, I go to Home Depot, and then on my way home, since I get all my Home Depot stuff done, I give myself a treat. I would say any any time you are having at one sitting three entrees of anything, maybe you might want to stop and take a gander in the mirror and maybe reconsider well, this, things a bit. This child was no more than seven years old. Have you seen that picture uh, on the net? And it's very clearly a real picture of that kid eating at the, what we'll call a popular fast food restaurant. And he is just like the most corpulent little bastard you have ever seen in your life. I mean, he's got fat on top of his fat on top of his. He looks like a little Michelin man, mm-hmm. except he's a, except he's a ba- you know he's a child, and he's just there, just, just shoving the food right in. So, um, oh man, did I tell you that I went to Dairy Queen over the weekend? No, yes, you did. I went to Dairy Queen on the way to a Spirit Mountain Casino to see Dennis Miller. I haven't gone to Dairy Queen in a long time because there isn't really one in my neighborhood, and it wasn't a brazier. You know, I don't know what that thing. I don't know what a brazier is. Because sometimes I always thought that it was brazier when I was a teenager. But that's the way teenagers think. Well, that wouldn't make any sense, Tim. No, it wouldn't. Uh, but sometimes it's just a Dairy Queen, and sometimes it's a Dairy Queen brazier. And I don't. Is that a, is that like a that's, fast, uh, that's fried food, isn't it? Now, but is that a trademark? Do you suppose is that like yes. a is that like a search with Retson kind of a thing? Yeah. Uh, so I got their uh, double uh, their double bacon cheeseburger, <laughs> and uh, and it was interesting too because sitting right across from us it was Laura and I sitting in the booth. I got the double bacon cheeseburger, and then I, I waffled for a bit on whether or not to get the blizzard, because I haven't had a blizzard in a long time, and ice cream, go, a little bit of that goes a long way with me. I don't really care for the blizzard all that much. But I got the blizzard, the Snickers blizzard. It's everything I thought it would be. 
I mean, really, it was just, I'm glad I got a small, because again, I can't eat that much ice cream. I got no much of a sweet tooth. That blizzard was deeply satisfying. But then, so there's a lot of eating, and then right across from us, two Mormon missionaries and some poor sap that they've hooked in for lunch. And he's just, and all he's trying to do is eat his fries, and they're drilling in with the whole, do you know that Jesus came to North America? So uh, it was just, it was an exciting lunch experience all the way around. Oh, there was some guy screaming about Jesus in the back of the courthouse when I walked uh, to the Mac stop. The other oh. Everyone was ignoring him. Always people screaming about I Jesus. I this guy on the bus the other day. Hey, here's a question. You may or may not know this. So with the, I should ask Laura about this. So with the Mormons, with the missionaries, and that's a tough racket. I mean, I, I don't mean to knock on the missionaries. That's a tough gig. Uh, you know, not, I mean, I don't like anybody coming to my house. Uh, you know, not even if they've got something I want. I mean, if you were going to door, door-to-door giving out $5 bills, it's still probably 50-50 whether I'd even want to talk to you or not. Well, I have a tasteful sign that says no soliciting under my doorbell. Do people respect that? Not all the time. Yeah. Uh, so... Um, but, so we're sitting across from the Mormon guys, and I was thinking to myself, is it true that they always have to ride the bicycle everywhere? Because, oh, you know, I there's that know. stereotype of the Mormons on the bicycle, the missionaries. And I was thinking to myself, this is on the way to, um, you know, to Grand Ron. I mean, it's like the middle of nowhere. There's nothing. A real big empty is what that is. And so I was thinking, well, they can't be bicycling. That sucks. I mean, really, you think the Lord values efficiency, probably. So I wonder if they give the missionaries a car if they're in the middle of just some arid wasteland. All right. Anyway, so blah, 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 and so forth. Here's Tim Riley. So anyway, apparently there are problems in Gresham with teenagers skateboarding and stabbing people at the same time. The latest stabbing took place at the intersection of Northwest Civic and Northwest Council Drive. The identified victim got into a verbal argument with two other teens, and one of them stabbed him. Both suspects took off on their uh, skateboards. The victim was taken to the hospital. So apparently, not only are people getting stabbed in the back with uh, needles in Gresham, now skateboarders are stabbing people. Then people who live near Northeast 82nd Avenue say they're fed up with the prostitution and they're sharing ideas how the city can clear out mm-hmm. these prostitutes. So they had a town hall meeting focusing on the issue. Uh, let's see. Apparently they don't know what to do. It's hard to find a regular job, said one 28-year-old, <laughs> with no work history. When I apply, they hire an 18-year-old before they hire them. On Monday night, hundreds of neighbors pack a hunt auditorium to learn about prostitution. Really? Yes. Everything you always wanted to know about prostitution, <laughs> but were afraid to ask. So, uh... What did they learn, do you suppose? Portland Police Bureau says it starts with more patrol officers and a tougher <sighs> court system for prostitutes. The Attorney General will uh, sign them a probation. But prostitutes uh, don't think anything will work. It's not going to stop, period. This is a harsh reality for a neighborhood that's had enough. It's gotten bad over the years. Something needs to be done. By the way, move away. If I can, uh, if I can just dovetail back to something we were discussing yesterday, and I'm not going to dwell on this. But yesterday, and again, I don't know, I don't know a whole lot about a whole lot. Uh, my wife is the smart one. Uh, I'm just the guy who, uh, who talks a lot and is a spastic. But it, just based on my, admittedly layman's read on the economy. I said something yesterday. It's a, it's, a, it's a bunch of people torqued off. God, I got a bunch of hate mail yesterday. Just about a whole bunch. Of, it was like everybody was just full of angst and anger yesterday about everything. Everything I said yesesterday, you know. This, I don't think you. I don't think you said anything wrong yet. Me either. I mean, I don't even know. It was just every single thing I said. You know, I like cheese. You bastard. You know, just people just sitting down and screeching off some email to me about it. Everything I got was a howler yesterday. Uh, but um, but I said in my layman's take on the economy that it seemed like. Any responsible view of our big financial uh, mess right now would almost require us to raise taxes on everybody, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, some guy says that we're going to fix everything without raising taxes. He just seems like he's probably a tool because, you know, you can't, you can't do that. And a guy called in, rightly, rightly annoyed at that, and he said, you know, I don't want to pay more taxes. He said, why didn't the government just cut their spending? Which I think we can all agree is how this should work. 
But I think we can also all agree it's not going to happen, right? Well, we've also had some uh, senseless war going on now for, what, uh, seven years? <sighs> yes. Yes, we it have, wasn't Tim. Free. Right. Uh, and so, you know what it is? Here's the thing. I don't mean to... Let's put it this way. I will, I will actually even remove gender from this. And I do have a point. I will tie this into hookers. So it's all going to be worthwhile in the end. So wait out like 10 seconds. Listen of, up, all you at Northeast 82nd. There could be a solution here. Listen to like tax talk for 15 seconds, and then I'm going to end it with, with sex. So it's all going to pay off. My thing about taxes and why we got to raise taxes is because it's like having a spouse of either gender who just spends way too much, right? And... You can talk to your spouse about spending less. Hey, maybe you don't need to go to Ikea five times a week. Maybe you could buy something, oh, I don't know, used every now and again. Maybe we don't necessarily need to have a new car every, you know, every, every 90 days or whatever. You could talk to the spouse about that, but you know in your heart the spouse is who the spouse is, and their spending habits are what their spending habits are, and they're not going to fix it. And so, you know, you as the other spouse, you, your only choice is just to go make more money, right? You're like, well, my husband or wife, my boyfriend, girlfriend isn't going to quit spending money, so I guess I just got to go drive a cab at night to make a little more cash. Because you realize they're just never going to change their ways. That's what we are at the government right now. I mean, it would really be nice if the government just cut their spending and got their own S under control so they could get themselves out of this stupid spiral they put us in. But we all know that's not going to happen because the government is incompetent uh, and evil. And so, therefore, we're going to have no choice but to cough up a few more taxes. <laughs> the absolute proof, by the way, that the government doesn't really know or care about fixing this economy themselves. I mean, the absolute bedrock evidence that the government doesn't care about fixing the economic mess they caused is the fact that we are now, here in Portland, anyway, Multnomah County, going to be spending, from the sound of this, even more money to stop people from having sex with other people. When, of course, as we all know, A, shouldn't be illegal anyway, because as George Carlin said, Selling is legal. Effing is legal. Why isn't selling effing legal? So, and also because if the government just decided just to suck it up and just run it themselves, you know how much tax money we could make off prostitution? I mean, Nevada can tell It'd you that. It'd be great. I mean, as you know, Nevada is completely flush, and you know why? It's because of gambling and whores. That's just the way it is, man. Well, those are the two things people want the most. That is exact. Those are almost recession-proof, I would think. So if, this, if our government would just pull its freaking head out and just decide to take uh, hookers and gambling and whatever else and just say, look, do it, don't do it, but we're going to take a slice, we could really start clawing ourselves out of this big tunnel that we're in. I say, mixing we my metaphors. We could put one in every strip mall. We gambling could, and whores. That's right. It could be a stripper mall, Tim. Uh, so somebody ought to open a whole cavalcade of adult places just called the stripper mall. But... Uh, you know, but that's the proof right there that the government is never going to fix it. The government's never going to solve it themselves because if the government wanted to, they would just legalize prostitution here, and we start making a little coin on it. But the government doesn't care because they're uh, because they're dumb and uh, you know and inefficient. So here's Tim Riley. Well, just to make things a little bit worse, a Tualatin man who stopped to help someone on I-5 was stricken killed by another car last night. Preston Newby pulled over to help a 16-year-old driver who hit an elk just before midnight at I-5 near Toledo. Washington State Patrol said another vehicle uh, swerved to miss the old carcass and struck newbie. The 16-year-old has cuts to her face and has been treated at a hospital in Centralia. Washington Mutual stock has been downgraded to junk. Washington Mutual shares extended their downward spiral as investigators uh, investors wagered on which trouble financial firm could be next following the demise of Lehman Brothers and Merrill Lynch. Wamu fell 73 cents, or 26.7%, to close at $2 after losing 36% last week. Well, look at it this way. It's still worth double what Citadel Radio is. Mm -hmm. 
And CBS is worth more than all of them combined. Yeah, and your face, everybody who's not us. So there. Uh, shares continue to fall in after hours trading, dropping 20 cents or 10% to a dollar eighty. The more I read about this, the worse the story gets. Yes, yes, Tim. I think I've said enough. It's never going to get any better. You might as well stop reading now. Meanwhile, house prices in Portland are uh, starting to become a little bit more affordable. The MLS, uh, the Regional Multiple Listing Service, reports that the medium home price in August was 280000 a 7.3% decline from more than 300000 which was the medium price back in 2007. It's the biggest one-year decline since the listing service began keeping records in 1992. They only began keeping records in 1992. <laughs> what were they doing before then? My... Okay. I don't know. It was, it was I... this a prehistoric time before 1992? Where were the records before 1992? Yeah, I'm sure it's an honest oversight, Tim. I'm sure nobody's trying to hide anything. Yeah, that's the... Uh... All right, Tim, I have a, uh, I have a complaint... I have a non-topical idea, or I have a topical idea. Which would you like to hear? Let's get the complaint out of the way. Okay, can I tell you this? Did you know that there's a white trash beauty pageant happening at Dante's? No, I didn't. Okay. I know how to get Sabala's fears. Can I tell you I take it as a personal offense that I was not invited to judge said white trash beauty pageant? I mean, really. You shouldn't take it badly, because we don't get invited to anything good. When we are, we have to sit way in the back, and nobody even knows we're there. Yeah. We're not allowed to speak. We may write something down an index card that's that's filed away in the trash. Can I ask Peter Jennings it. a question? I work for the same company. Hello? Hello? I, you know, and meanwhile, Lars is up there bloviating about something stupid. Um, yeah, so there's a white trash beauty pageant. I was not invited to be a judge at this pageant. Now, look, I, it's not like i got to be invited to everything. And I'm not trying to do some don't-they-know-who-I-am thing, because that never works anyway. You know, and frankly, I think the one time years ago that I, don't you know who I am? And they said no, and I said... I'm Rick Emerson. And then they said, well, you, no, you're definitely not getting in there. Go home. So that never really works. But, I mean, really, who among us loves white trash girls more than me? The answer is no one. No one. There is no one more vocal or vociferous about his love of white trash girls. It's just, I mean, it really is a, that's in my wheelhouse, baby. White trash girls and me, we're like this. Like peanut butter and jelly. Like sunshine and moon glow. Anyway, I'm just saying, I take it as a personal affront that I wasn't invited. So, you know, whatever. Dead to me. Uh, all right, here's my non-topical suggestion, Tim. Then we'll do the topical suggestion, then calls, then more news. Non-topical suggestion. You know, we always have on this uh, show ideas that people ought to do because it's a moneymaker, you know, and that people never do them, like your thing about the cane for blind people to send hybrid cars or whatever, mm-hmm. deaf people, whatever it is. That would stimulate the economy, but nobody cares to do anything. That's what I'm saying. You know what would make money hand over freaking fist? And so much so that unlike all my other ideas, I almost want to just, like, take time off and put this together. You know what would just make money like no one's business? Wait for it. The right-wing comedy tour. Because they've had, you know, the original Kings of Comedy, you know, and then they had the blue-collar comedy tour, which is not really right-wing as such, but it's just sort of like, you know, tool users, you know, some gum chewer. Uh, you want to go and hear a guy talk about, like, you know, I don't know, whittling sticks or something for two hours. So, but, but, that, but that's not enough. Somebody really needs to do the, the right-wing comedy tour. And it's just a bunch of alleged conservative comedians. Uh, you know, and conservatives really aren't funny, but that doesn't matter. It, you, it's all about pandering to a demographic. You know, you just, all you do is, you know, blah, 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 Bill Clinton, blah, 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 you know, spotted owl, blah, 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 nuclear power, God, wah, 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 take my wife, please. You do that, 90 minutes, man, you just you retire on that in three weeks. In fact, to the extent, I'm amazed that there isn't one of those already, and I don't think there is. 
And you don't try to call it redneck, blue collar, middle. You flat out just call it the right wing comedy tour. Because, I mean, I mean, really, that's a demographic you can soak for every dollar they've got. You can take every single cent that that demographic had, and they're happy to give it to you. They're happy. doesn't matter what it is, you know. Uh, what are you? Hey, I'm a right-wing guy. Uh, give me your money. And they go, well, okay. And they just send it on in. You know what I mean? doesn't matter whether you're, whether you're Sean Hannity or, uh, you know, or uh, Oral Roberts. If you could just tell that demographic to give you their cash, they will gladly do so. So there you go, the right-wing comedy tour. Somebody really has to do that. Oh, man. Talk about things we aren't invited to. Yes. How about things oh, God. we aren't invited to, and it's too late for me to do anything about it. What have we been invited to? Well, I have, but I can take you as a guest. Hmm. Take a look. It's tomorrow night. Oh, wow. An evening with the cast of Mad Men? Yes, I was invited to that. You can come if you wish, but we have to be there by tomorrow night. What time tomorrow night? Where's it at? It is at the Pacific Design Center, 8687 Melrose Avenue in Hollywood. We say, ensuring that... Wait, in Hollywood? Yes. Wait, let's back up one more second here. Let's back up a further step. How, how were you invited? Oh, is this because you're in SAG? I'm a member of the all Hollywood right. chapter. Oh, okay, all right. So you were invited as a member of SAG to go spend an well, evening with the, guest. the cast of Mad Men. Mm -hmm. Boy, it would almost be worth it, but I don't know, Tim, in this economy... Oh, I bet, man. I bet planes at the last minute are you know, very, very you know, expensive. Hey, but you know who's a member of SAG is Roop. Can he fly us down there? I don't know, but I was just going to say, even if we can't go, I know he's in Nevada, but I bet he'd go back for that. Sure. I wonder if he, because he's a member of the Screen Actors Guild. I'm maybe almost, he must have got this email. I'm then. positive he's a member of SAG. Maybe he's not, but I'm almost certain he well, is. Print it out for him. That is really, oh, I wish I could go to that. I wish I could go to that, too. I wish I was infinitely wealthy. Damn it. No, you don't have to be wealthy. You can go for nothing. No, but I'm saying I like, you got to go. You got to get the plane, and you know you got to uh, you know the, the boarding and so forth. I know. And I, you know, and like trying to book a flight now to take me to Hollywood and then back, and they're, oh, you're yeah, just gonna they're gonna take it out of your ass, man. They're gonna jack you like nobody's business for that. I can go look, but I know it's gonna be expensive. Yeah, I can't do that. All right, okay. Uh, well, that sucks. Hey, here's my topical suggestion though. Then we'll do a couple calls in one story, then we'll break. Um, I'm sorry we're so behind today. It was the squirrel. I'm gonna blame everything on the squirrel today. Um, here's a topical suggestion, Tim. Yeah. Talk about something that would probably make money. You know what we ought to start? On this program or on this station, we ought to start just a whole segment, like once a day, that is nothing but either, like, happy news, you know, just like nothing but good news, or, how about this, flat-out fabricated happy news. In other words, we just write a bunch of stories about how the economy is booming, housing market has never been better, the stock market an all-time high, prosperity around every corner. And we just broadcast, like, flat-out, fake, made-up, happy propaganda news for, like, 90 seconds a day. You know, a little 90 seconds of sunshine. You listen, you, could, you, you lie to yourself, tell yourself it's true, puts a smile on your face for a couple minutes every day. Like this? Thank you very much. Now, here's an... What, what are we listening to? We're going to go... What are we allegedly listening to? This is uh, one talk over the line. For those who missed it last hour... But what do you think about that? I think it's wonderful. 90 seconds of flat-out fabricated, really happy news about how everything is going swimmingly in America and our position in the world and economy has never been stronger. Everyone respects us. We are victorious abroad. Other nations admire us. Uh, everybody is financially flush and independent. That's just depressing. It's totally depressing. But I think it would be interesting. It's interesting, but completely depressing. Yeah. It would be like we, were, we turned into the fish. Yeah. <laughs> He'd do stuff like that. Hi, how are you? Is that how the fish sounds? Yeah. Well, the, the ladies on the fish all sound like The fish is a Christian uh, radio station, by the way. Hey, you know my shrink is in the same building as the fish. Right down the hall. 
Hmm. The fish, and then like three doors down, my shrink, uh, who, uh, you know. Yesterday I refused service to a wasted radio person. Really? Is it somebody I know? No, I don't think so. Really? I didn't know them. How do you know they were radio? Did they say it? Because I used to be on the radio. Because the girl, no, because the girl, she's like, oh, this is one of those blank guys who comes in sometimes. And When you say blank, like, is that the name of the station? Yeah. Yeah, and she's just like, you can either, she's like, if you feel like it, you can serve him, but, you know, if he's being a jerk, then you, you know, you can serve him one drink, but if he's being a jerk, just say you're not going to serve him. You just have to tell us on the air. What, he works at the fish? Really? Uh-huh. Oh, well, I'm that's, kind of surprised. That's not a real radio station. You know what I'm talking about. Uh, all right. In any given, happy news. Maybe, you know what, Tim, I know your plate's kind of full. Yes. Uh, you know, the news bot's very busy as well. I don't know, maybe I'll find some, I'll find some, uh, maybe I'll find some industrious uh, weekender who wants to start putting that together. Oh, there are plenty of them scattered around here. Happy news for happy news for depressed people. Only on AM 970. And we'll just call it like a propaganda break. Or a proper, proper something. It's going to make the news bot jealous. Yeah. All right. Now, I'm going to think on that. That's a good idea. Let's do these calls. We'll do a story. We'll take a break. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Sorry about being so late to the phones today. I suck. What's up? Hey, Rick, Tim, Sarah. Uh, I'm a new recruit of the Emerson Army. been listening about it the last six months. Thank I you, sir. To make, just wanted to make an observation. Uh, as long as I've been listening, I've never really heard uh, Tim Riley actually like laugh at something uncontrollably until I was listening to an old episode from, uh, I think it was early January, mm-hmm. when you had him watch a video of uh, Richie throwing up. Yeah, yeah. Sarah didn't laugh so much at that, but Tim and I found it hilarious. But, I mean, it, it's gonna, it comes down to uh, watching his friends throw up uncontrollably that he'll, he'll laugh. Here's the thing, sir, is that, uh, men find vomit to be funny. Yeah, so would, would, you, would you agree with me on that? Uh, it's very funny, especially right. when they're just down on their knees and un- doing it uncontrolled. No, it's true. We'll play the Richie Vomit thing later on, sir. Okay. All right. How did you discover the show? Uh, according to Fatboy, actually. Excellent. Thank you. All right, my friend. Uh, are you spreading the word? Yes, I am. I uh, Whenever I'm at work, I'll tell people, you know, listen to Rick Emerson. He's great. He's funny. Topical. You are a good very, person, very my relatable. friend. All right. Thank you, sir. You call us anytime. Best show ever. All right. There you go, sir. All right. A couple more. Hi. You're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. It's Kyle. Um, Yo. Got some uh, Mormon answers for you. Yo. Um, I was a uh, I was a missionary myself a few years ago, almost ten years ago now. And uh, where was your mission? Uh, Arcadia, California. Now, so uh, were you? Because of course, the you know when you go in for your mission, uh, allegedly it's sort of done randomly. But I know that they sometimes identify the weak and they send them someplace easy. Go to Anaheim. Uh, now, were you? Where were you hoping to go? Well, actually, I did start out in uh, Seoul, Korea, but my. Uh, I had back problems and had to come mm-hmm. home early. All right. So, uh, so did you? You went to the uh, you went to the MTC where they like or the where they trained you in how to speak Korean? Yes, in, in Provo. Yeah. Actually, in Pro, of course, everything is in Provo. Uh, all right. So, what do they do with the bicycles? Can you drive if it's a like a long way between places? I like in Arcadia. Almost almost half the mission was uh, was vehicles. Even though it was a small mission, uh, half the mission uh, could drive cars, and they were like uh, Toyota Corollas. Uh, right. Chevy Malibus, just just cheap, moderately priced cars. Excellent. Uh, I have a question for you. Are you still an active member, sir? I am. All right. Uh, can you now sing for me the Prophet song? <laughs> um, we thank Theo God for a prophet, that one? No, this is the uh, Mormon Prophets are, where you list all the Mormon prophets. Ooh, no, no. <laughs> that, that's, that's, uh, is that too old that's school? Like, too, too far long ago. Yeah, my uh, my wife sings that around the house occasionally. I'll catch her singing Mormon uh, hymns or whatever to herself. She also does this. Here's this other thing that my wife, uh, who is no longer uh, active but who is uh, raised LDS. Here's another thing Laura sings a lot. She sings this maddening song, 
Saturday is the special day. It's the day we get ready for Sunday. Uh-huh. Which is all about, which, and it's, the whole point is that Saturday you don't get to do anything fun because it's the get the work done day. And so Saturday you don't even get to relax because the whole point of Saturday is just to get ready for Sunday. So it's like you're sort of blown on both days. I don't know, Sunday you get to relax. Man, no, but Sunday, but they got that whole thing Sunday where it's like nine hours of, uh, you know, like they keep Three. you pretty busy on Sunday, don't they? Three hours. Oh, That's well, it. well, fair enough. All right, my friend, thank you for listening. You can call us anytime. Hey, thanks. All right, there you go. All right, here's Tim Riley. We'll do a story or two, then we'll take a break. Get caught up. So this uh, Beaverton boy is a genius. He has invented some solar cell. His revolutionary is 20, uh, 12 years old. William Ewan has already studied nuclear fusion and nanotechnology. And he's on his way to solving the energy crisis. It all started with the Legos after he, after he learned nanotechnology to make robots take off. The seventh grader then got an idea inspired by the sun. Solar, it seems underused, and there are a few problems with it, says the youngster. Encouraged by the Meadow Park Middle School science teacher, the 12-year-old developed a 3D solar cell. Regular solar cells are only 2D and only allow light interaction once. And his cell can absorb both visual and UV light. I don't understand anything about this. Well, he's 12 years old. I started to realize I was actually onto something. At first, he couldn't believe his calculations. This solar cell can't be generating this much electricity. It can't be absorbing this much light, he recalled thinking. If he's right, solar panels with his 3D cells will yield nine times more sunlight and absorb 10% more energy from the sun, even when it's cloudy. Can I tell you that Sarah has never looked more disinterested than she does at this moment? I mean, I, I only have the vaguest idea. And he's 12. Yeah. He's flying out to Washington, D.C. to accept a $25,000 scholarship. Are you kidding me? He's a smart kid. All right. Well, whatever. I can't even name all the state capitals. Well, you're probably sitting in your bedroom playing 45s. He's playing with 3D cells. Seriously, I was sitting there listening to One Took Over the Line by Brewer and Shipley, Tim. Uh, you know, Chris Paddock and I, as we always do, we're sitting there geeking out about, well, you were there. We were talking about the foundations, build me a buttercup and so forth. Mm-hmm. And uh, now that I've found you, I can let you go. And those both sound a lot like the turtles. Mm-hmm. Uh, foundations sound a lot like the turtles. Yeah, uh, especially that she only, you know, she'd rather be with me song, which just blew my mind when I heard oh, it yeah. for the first time. All right, let's do uh, one more here. We'll take a break. Well, a thief stole medicine from a Collins County ambulance while emergency crews and firefighters were dealing with a house fire. Firefighters say they were called to the fire around 3 a.m. The blaze destroyed the home. Meanwhile, a thief snuck inside the ambulance, opened compartments, and took several medications. The most dangerous of the stolen drugs is used to paralyze muscles. It can be fatal if taken incorrectly. Let's hope so. Mm-hmm. Crews noticed the medicines were missing when they took inventory a few hours after the fire. Uh, patients could be the ones who suffered the most from the crime. Deputies said no witnesses reported seeing that that, and there are no suspects. All right, Sarah, can I ask you a question um, before we break here? Because yes. uh, uh, you were a uh, bar back, and and now uh, last night was it Saturday. Last night, when was your first bartending? Was it last Yesterday, night? Yeah. Last Yesterday, night. your first, uh, you know, full-on bartending at which you excelled flawlessly. I know you would. Not so much flawlessly. So I have a question, and please forgive the awkwardness of this, but I have a question about roofies. Because, of course, at a bar, that's a, cause, a, a, a big danger. Now people are on the lookout for that. Mm-hmm. They now have glasses that they've designed yeah, in some bars. a big chunk of um, roofies in um, my OCC class. Yeah, because, you know, some jackass goes in there and, uh, you know, some loser goes in and tries to dope some girl up and whatever. So, and it's also, it's like 50-50. A lot of it happens to guys now. Really? Mm-hmm. And so my question is, uh, how, how does that work? I mean, does does... Because it seems like if it's just knocking you out, they're going to have to like drag you and stick you in the trunk of their car. Or does it just make you really suggestible? I mean, I'm curious as to how that works. It just works. makes you super 
super wasted. Like you think like you've had one drink, but all of a sudden it feels like you can barely walk and you're I, I, I was roofing in college once. And, um, yeah, and it just feels like you can barely walk. And, and so does it just make it easier for people to say, like, well, why don't you go to my house and sleep it off? And you go, oh, okay. Well, also, that's how people can get raped and everything because it makes you, because it, it makes you, you know, so jumbled in your mind and, and you're so intoxicated that, um, that you don't really remember what happened. That was my sort of question is, like, yeah. you got to figure if some, some, uh, creep is at a bar and he slips, uh, whoever, the, the roofie. Like, it, I, I was just thinking because I don't really know how that whole thing works. And I wonder if it, if it then, yeah, makes him so intoxicated that he can kind of go, Let's walk this way. And she, you know, who would she just goes, uh, okay. Mm-hmm. And then, like, next thing you know, they're at the guy's house or whatever. Yeah, I was fortunate to be with a bunch of friends who got me home safely. But, I mean. Wow. That's yeah, creepy. It's totally creepy. I know I know many men. My friend's brother was um, sexually assaulted by a woman who roofied him. And is it just you black out? Like, you just don't yeah, remember it? totally black out. Oh. oh, that's creepy. Okay. I remember I woke up, and I was in the shower. And it was, like, 3 o'clock in the morning. And, I like, my friends all taking me home. And I How did like, I get here? I know. And I was just. It, it was gross. It was awful. Wow. All right. Let's take a break. We'll come back after this. More from Tim Riley around the corner. Later on, Nina Parker from TMZ. CNN Radio correspondent James Roop. Religious Nutcase Watch. Cannibal Watch. Taser Watch. Tomorrow, Rowdy Roddy Piper. Don't go anywhere. The Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. Thank you for coming along. If you're just joining us today, they caught a squirrel in my office. Uh, coming up later on, Nina Parker from TMZ will be joining us. Jim Roop from Las Vegas, Nevada. Uh, later on, we'll do the top five. Top five Sarah X. Dillon Love Lorne Teenage Angst songs. It's going to be uh, wonderful. Let's see what else. Religious Nutcase Watch, Cannibal Watch, Taser Watch. You know, I'm still on, I'm still trying to find moose. Uh, for You know, this Friday is the Pig Fest. Oh, that's right. In the parking lot. Going to be uh, cooking, a, cooking a pig. And so I'm trying to, you know, you know, trying to be topical and funny and you know, whatever by bringing some moose burgers. And uh, Marconi actually uh, knows this place that sells exotic meats and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But they, and they carry everything but moose, like alligator and woodchuck and badger and whatever. And then they don't carry, uh, they don't carry moose. So uh, I got to try to find some place that'll sell me some moose burgers for Friday. Here's Tim Riley. So do they make like moose tofurkey? What moose tofurkey? No, that would, because tofurkey is turkey. Oh, that's true. It would be toos. Tofus. Mo, mo furkey? Mo furkey. How much furkey, Tim? Mo furkey. <laughs> I love this. Time for uh, cannibal wine. Here's, uh, speaking of, uh, yes, here's... Uh, This comes to us from Russia. Four teenagers have been horrifically slain by Satanists, stabbed 666 times, and then eaten. A gang of devil worshippers butchered their victims and roasted them on a bonfire before devouring their flesh. Horrified cops found body parts dumped in a pit beside an upside-down cross, a symbol used for satanic worship. The victims all suffered 666 knife wounds, that ever associated with the beast or Antichrist, featured in horror films such as The Old Men. 
The pals, three girls and a boy, age 16 and 17, were all goths. They were lured one by one to a cottage and then forced to get drunk before being butchered. Wait, well, I mean, first of all, the people who were killed were goths or the people doing the killing? No, the uh, the victims were goths. The victims were goths. The people who did the killing were Satanists. That's correct, yes. All right, this is sort of like a Jets and Sharks kind of a thing, yeah. but, with, but with evil? Yes, eh, and, okay. and being Russian. Yeah. They were lured to the cottage one by one, forced to get drunk, and then butchered. Hair from them were found in the embers of a fire. The gang lit under a tree. Wait, hold on. Let's back up for a second. If they were look, not that I don't I don't want to bust up a good story here, mm-hmm. but if they were, if they were killed, burned, cooked, and then eaten, how is it that they know that they were stabbed 666 times? That seems like it doesn't have the ring of truth to it. I mean, I'm just saying. Well, it's from Russia, I suppose. Well, let's just assume it's true then. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, after police arrested eight suspected members of the ring, one boasted how they previously dug up the grave of a dead girl and ate her heart. Well, okay. Uh, another said, Satan will help me to avoid responsibility. I made lots of sacrifices to him. And a third said he got fed up with God for not making him rich and that things improved after he started praying to the devil. There's so much in the story, I don't even know where to begin. Wait, so they dug up a girl and ate her heart? Yes. But I thought during, like, after, when they're preparing a body, don't they take out all your organs? Oh, that's only in civilized countries. Oh, okay. This isn't Russia. Russia. <laughs> this is, I mean, really. I, the only reason your organs are getting on Russia is because they sold them to somebody on the black market. Uh-huh. Yeah, they don't, uh, I think in Russia, a sort of dignified burial is one in which uh, the coffin is made out of plywood, not cardboard. So, all right. So police began tracing the gang after finding out all the victims had made phone calls to the alleged leader, Nikolai. All the locals knew Nikolai, whose grandmother revealed he had sang at a local church as a choir boy. The rest of the cult were described as ex-teachers as having been of low intelligence and moody at school. I don't even... Maybe Russia is sort of... It is like a glass-knot perestroika kind of a thing. The dad of one of the victims said, My son had both God and Satanists among his friends. Is this... Do you suppose that uh, maybe because of the end of the Cold War, that Russia is sort of behind uh, America by a few decades, and so they're just now getting to the Satan craze, which we had many, many years ago? Yeah. I mean, we had a Satan craze like a good 30, 35 years ago. Maybe they're just getting to that point. You know, maybe they've already gone past comic books and pinball machines. Now it's Satan. Then it'll be, uh, you know, it'll be rap music next year. All right. Well, there you go. There's your uh, cannibal watch for uh, Tuesday on the Rick Emerson Show. That's your... Uh... That's your Cannibal Watch for Tuesday uh, on KCMD, Portland, Portland, Portland. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. What's hey, up? What's up? Hey, Tim was talking about the no soliciting sign, how it's ignored. Yes, sir. Um, what I did was we were having some problems with solicitors, and uh, you go online, you find a dictionary website. Uh, I think I used the American Heritage Dictionary, mm-hmm. the English Language 2004 edition. Right. And... Uh, you get the the one that basically has the say it says it in the sentence and all that tells you all the definitions, different definitions of soliciting. Because right. some people say, well, I'm not selling anything. I'm just trying to get towards this candidate. We laminated it, said no soliciting, and all the definitions underneath, and put it right up front. That's a good question, actually, because I wonder what so, you know, soliciting is sort of an odd term now that I think about it. Because you really you only hear that when some, some guy gets busted going to a whorehouse, you know, busted right. for soliciting sex. So right. soliciting is. 
I guess soliciting colloquially is supposed to mean anybody knocking on your door that wasn't invited to do so, maybe? Exactly. That's, right. that's it. And we got one that covered them all. And, and just like what you said, the last one on there was uh, to approach or cost someone, you know, with an offer of sexual services. So just, at the time they end up... At the end of it, they feel like a sleaze and they walk away. That's great. So you can just print out, print out, laminate the entire dictionary definition and put it on your door so there's just no mistaking what it is you were trying to avoid. Yeah, and cite your source at the bottom and everything. <laughs> yep. Excellent. Well done, sir. I like your style. Thank you, my friend. Uh-huh. All right. Bye now. That was cool. Yes, it was. Here's Tim Riley. Well, all you kids are going to be disappointed. That Total Request Live is getting the axe after a 10-year run. Start the countdown clock at MTV's Countdown Era. Total Request Live will shut down. This music video program will conclude with a two-hour special on a Saturday afternoon in November. Now, when they say TRL is going away, what does that really mean? Because because before it was TRL, it was Dial-MTV, mm-hmm. and then Dial-MTV, I mean, basically the same show, though. And Dial-MTV became TRL. They just changed the name. Mm-hmm. In fact, Dial-MTV became Total Request Live, which then just became TRL. So is the whole show going away, do you think, or are they just changing the name? That's what it says. It's going away. The replacement is going to be FNMTV. The show debuted over the summer in the 15-episode run hosted by Pete Wentz, a basis for the rock band Fall Out Boys. What is FNMTV? I don't know. Sarah? In Los Angeles, it aired Friday nights and televised exclusive music video performance by such diverse groups as The Slipknot and The Jonas Brothers. That's a weird. Any show that That's has both different. Slipknot and the Jonas Brothers is either wonderful or awful, or maybe both. I'm trying to fathom the television show that segues from Slipknot to the Jonas Brothers. Mm-hmm. And in my head, it's just like a 404 error. That's just not coming up. Um, Sarah was on Total Request Live. Yes, you and your friend Jenny went to PRL. I, I got the photos still. Indeed, and it was, and the special guest was when uh, Katie Holmes was there. Yeah. Was, oh, it was pre- yeah. Tom Cruise. Pre-nutty. I remember being like, oh, you know, it's the chick from Dawson's Creek. That's, That's kind of right. cool. But then all of a sudden, like a year later, bam, she's all like Scientology crazy. And you and uh, Jenny both had to lie about your ages, did you not? Yeah, I was of age. You had to be under 25, so I think I was I was 24, but Jenny was like 28. Right. So we both had to pretend but that. But they bought it. Yeah. Yeah. And you said they were kicking people out during the break. Like, you're not exciting enough. Leave. Yep, they would kick people out, and they would move. Every commercial break, you'd have to move to a different seat, depending on how exciting and how enthusiastic, how excited and how enthusiastic you were. Yeah, That's every show. Because yeah. they want the most cheer, the so most... They just, like, shuffle us around. And I think that they... This is where that horrible soundbite comes from, the, the lesbian couple thing. Like, I think they did think that we were a lesbian couple because we they kept moving us around together. Right. Well, because because Jenny looks Jenny's like a little bush-looking. Yeah, yeah. She's, like, a cute, you know, a cute boy. Yeah. At that time, yeah, I was, like, I looked like really girly girls. So we were, like, Lindsay Lohan. And so they were trying to make you more prominent to look diverse or less prominent so not to terrify parents? No, I think that they were trying to make it... I think they're trying to look diverse. Ah, look at that. Look at that. We, we yeah, welcome all people to MTV. <laughs> all right. Oh, by the way, speaking of um, speaking of TRL, because, okay, so it was TRL. Before that, it was Total Request Live. Before that, it was Dial-MTV. And then, of course, those were all basically taken from American Bandstand and shows like that. Tim, listen to this. Uh, this is sort of related to the American Bandstand era. Remember we were playing that you, earlier you were playing that one toke over the line from the Lawrence and Welk show with Bobby and Sissy? Yes, I have it Could they be wider? Yeah. Bobby and Sissy. Mm-hmm. I mean, really, it's like, it's like that. Uh, by the way, Sissy was the girl. Casey and Pixley. Uh, apparently at the end of that, two things. One, I guess Lawrence Welk caps that whole thing by referring to one toke over the line as being a modern spiritual. Uh, Paddock told us that, so we'll have to play that. And then also, listen to this. Uh, Rick, do you realize that Bobby on the Lawrence Welk show was Bobby from the Mickey Mouse Club, Tim? Oh. He appeared at the same time that Annette was on the show, signed I Feel Really Old. 
so that was actually before my time. But apparently Bobby on the Lawrence Welk Show uh, was Bobby on uh, the Mickey Mouse Club. So, okay. All right. Here's Tim Riley. See, we can play the rest of it, I guess, going at the break. Yeah, whenever, whenever you like. Let's see. Okay, so let's play the end of this. We'll play the very end of it. So yeah. this is the one talk over the line yeah, as the sung on the Lawrence Welk Show. Mm-hmm. So we'll just play a clip of this here. All right. One talk over the line. One talk over the line, sweet Jesus. One talk over the line. Sitting downtown in a railway station. One talk over the line. Don't you know that we're waiting for the train that goes home, sweet Mary? Hoping that the train is on time. Sitting down. It's that like. It's that daddy sing bass thing that is hilarious. Don't you know that we're a. <laughs> in a railway station. One toke. One toke over the line. Okay, listen to this part. Here, come, here comes Lawrence Wells. Wonderful. Let's see what he says here. There you heard a modern spiritual by Gail and Dale. A modern spiritual. All right. It must have just be that, I mean, there must have been nobody on the show under 50 then, because you think that either, well, there's two scenarios. Either nobody on the show staff knew, I mean, as I said like a hundred times, one talk over the line, sweet Mary, Mary, as in Jane, or... Maybe back then they referred to them as Negro spirituals, and since there weren't any on the television program... Perhaps, perhaps... Uh, they, uh, or do you suppose there might have been youth on the staff and the young people just let it slide thinking it was hilarious? Mm-hmm. That seems more likely to me. Yeah. That Lawrence Welk maybe had some sort of, they might have had some PAs around there or something, and Lawrence, tell me what this song is about. And they, you know, uh, it's about, um, it's a modern spiritual, Lawrence. <laughs> and just letting him go out there and just take it in the, take it in the chops. I wonder if I, man. Oh, oh, to do that Bob Ralston interview, knowing now uh, what I what I what I didn't know then. Mm-hmm. I w- I would love to ask Bob Ralston if he knew that one talk over the line was about weed when they were singing that. I'm gonna look up one talk over the line on Wikipedia right now. One talk over, over the line. line. And you know, now that I think about it, I have that one talk over the line 45 at home, but I have no I have no idea what's on the flip side of that. What about the B side? The one talk over oh, the well, line I don't remember. is. Remember, I should know that too, shouldn't I? Hey, here's a question: Who sang "Drop Kick Me Jesus" through the? Do you know that song? Mel Tillis? Mm. That was my first guess. I don't know why Mel Tillis. No, I, I don't think that's right. I think Drop Kick Me, Je- Drop, Kick Me Jesus Through the Goalposts of Life. Uh, God, my dad was a rube. But uh, we have that, too. And I was thinking that was Brewer and Shipley, but I don't think it was. Oh, here we go. Brewer and Shipley were a folk rock duo of the 70s, comprised of Mike Brewer and Tom Shipley. They were known for their intricate guitar work, blah, da, da, blah, da, blah. Their biggest hit was the song One Toke Over the Line. Uh, from their 1970 album, Tarkio. Not to be confused with Tarkus, so... Uh, let's see, what else? Um, blah, blah, blah. I'm trying to see if it was good. Let's see. Okay, here we go. Uh, they derived... Let's see. Um, their most commercially successful album was Tarkio, featuring the hit One Talk Over the Line, which they wrote as a joke while preparing backstage for a performance. Um... Here we go. Listen to this, Tim. Following airplay of one toke over the line, President Richard Nixon uh, labeled Brewer and Shipley public miscreants. What does that mean? That's like a hooligan. In retaliation, they referred to Nixon by name in their song "Oh Mommy" from the uh, from the from uh, Tarkio, blah blah blah. And so there you go. And uh, Michael Brewer lives outside of wait for it, Branson. Tom Shipley is on the staff of the Missouri University of Science and Technology. 
Uh, there is no reference here to uh, to Lawrence Welk performing uh, one talk over the line. Oh, it's fantastic. I love the Internet. Because, you know, before the Internet, things like that were just, they fell into just a myth and rumor and legend and, uh, you know, and, and, and uh, you know, and hearsay. You, you would never, you would hear that that was on Lawrence Welk, but there really wouldn't be no way to know for sure. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick, Mike Chase. Hello, Mike Chase. What's up, sir? Hey, I'm listening to the Lawrence Welk uh, chat there, and I, I got to say, I love the Lawrence Welk show. And there was an episode of Lawrence Welk where uh, it was like the hippie show. I don't know if you guys remember that, but it's, they they uh, were throwing a bone to all the hippies of the day, and they came dressed out like Lawrence Welk had a long, stringy, groovy ghoulies wig on, and striped bell-bottom pants, and the, the peace sign hanging down, the play-by-play uh, going there. It was awesome. Bob Ralston was mentioning that yesterday because I was talking. I asked him whether uh, whether it was a deliberate creation of Lawrence Welk show was a deliberate attempt to reach out to a demographic that was not being served by television at that time. And he said that it was a very, very conscious sort of sop to the World War II generation. And then he talked and he said, but we did try to shake it up and have fun every now and again. Points, by the way, for the uh, Groovy Ghoulies reference just now. Oh, no problem. All right, yeah. excellent. All right, thank All you, right. Mike Chase. Bye-bye. All right, there you go, Mike Chase, ladies and gentlemen. All right, now i got to go home and see who's saying dropkick me, Jesus. Here's Tim Riley. Time now for Religious Nutcase Watch. Here's your Religious Nutcase Watch for Tuesday on the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Jesus was sung by Bobby Bear ah, in 1976. Bobby Bear. A long forgotten country artist. Well, you can just, even just hearing the name Bobby Bear, you can see the sideburns. Mm -hmm. All right. So we have a three-part series here. This comes just from the Congo. Accusations that a soccer player was using witchcraft during a match in the eastern Congo sparked a riot that killed 13 people. Most of the victims were between 11 and 16, says Radio Capo. They were suffocated as panicked crowds ran for the uh, exits during the mayhem at the Eastern Congo's uh, leading stadium. Radio Akapi says police tried to control the violence at Mokato Stadium by firing into the air to protect their commander, who was hit in the head and wounded by the fans. The two local clubs involved were the Sakazaki and Nuiki system. Dozens of teenagers marked through Bukumbo's dirt streets in protest, said the regional governor. Uh, he made no comment of witchcraft, but confirmed that the soldiers were firing into the air to calm the angry crowd. I wonder if it makes your life easier or more stressful to believe in witchcraft. Because on the one hand, you must be terrified that there's going to be a spell put on you all the time. You know, mm -hmm. some, for some real or imagined slight, some guy's going to turn you into a, into a newt or something. On the other hand, there's got to be a certain amount of, uh, sort of laissez-faire relief that comes with that. You know what I mean? What caused this? You know, what, what what is causing this strange problem in our country? Why is there a drought? What is the why is our economy in the dumper? You go, well, it's uh, it's demons. That's what it's uh, it's it's a small gnome living in your stomach. That's that's what's causing. It. And you kind of go, well, okay, then nothing I can do about it. You know, you can just sort of be free of it at that point. All right. Part two. Sheikh Al Luhaydin, the chairman of the Saudi Supreme Judicial Council has uh, permitted the killing of owners of satellite TV channels that broadcast programs encouraging moral abasement. Moral abasement, whatever. The Sheik was speaking on the Saudi Koran radio program. It was reported that the statements aroused concern outside Saudi Arabia because several Gulf heads of state-owned satellite channels. All right. The Saudi Arabia, Tim, our partners in peace. Here's another one from them. Right. Uh, from another Sheik. 
One of the most beloved cartoon characters in history has been declared one of Satan's soldiers by an Islamic sheik. Uh, this was made on the Al-Majid television program. It was directed at Mickey Mouse and the cartoon cat and mouse duo Tom and Jerry. The former diplomat at the Saudi Embassy in Washington says under Sharia law... Household mice and their cartoon likenesses must be killed. <laughs> According to Islamic law, the mouse is a repulsive, corrupting creature. In addition to uh, Mickey and Tom and Jerry, uh, this moolah had harsh words for the recent Olympic Games in Beijing. He labeled the event the Bikini Olympics, saying nothing makes Satan happier than seeing female athletes in skimpy clothing. So let me understand this. I so guess they... there's a little Satan in all of us. So they... Oh, my God. So they find time in Saudi Arabia... Uh, to flog people, to stone people, to behead people, and then they have enough energy left over somehow to be angry at an imaginary rodent. Mm -hmm. All right. It is the religion of peace. They yeah. need to be turned to dust. <laughs> you know, if somebody, oh, if somebody would just make that like part of their platform, you know, for the election. I mean, really, really I'm going to offer, I'll tell you this, I'm going to offer my vote right now to the first candidate who just says that he's going to go in and just turn that place into a sheet of glass. Why don't we just parachute mice in there? Oh, and hey. And squirrels. There you go. Hey, you know what? Uh, you know, I, really, with just the rodent population of CBS Radio alone, you could probably uh, clear out a good, a good section of the country. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you know, we do what we always do. We'll just have a, we'll have some planes hover, hover over Saudi Arabia for a couple of days and just get a big loudspeaker and be like, look, you, you got seven days. You, 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 pack, your, pack your stuff. Pack your crap. Get out. And at the end of seven days, we're just going to go, and it's just going to be, uh, you know, we'll just make it nothing but strip clubs and Walmarts, and everybody will be happy. So, Jesus. All right. There you go. There's uh, your religious nutcase watch uh, for Tuesday. KCMD Portland, a CBS radio station. I mean, really, you know, I would almost be willing to overlook anything else if one of the candidates, if either you know, the Obama or McCain, would just come out and go, "Look, Saudi Arabia, they're uh, they're children. They can't be they can't be trusted with the country. They're uh, they're misusing it. We're just uh, we're going to go in and get rid of everybody." You know, I'd be I'd That'd be, be okay with that. No, I'd be fine with that. All right, here's Tim Riley. Scientists have discovered a 120 million year old ant. These are Germans. They have discovered a new species of ant they believe to be the oldest in the planet, dating back. 120 million years. Our researchers at their Natural History Museum found the 3 millimeter, that's .118 inches, insect in the Amazon rainforest and hope it will shed light on the evolution of ants, because we're all that curious. It is by far the most spectacular find in my 26-year-old career, said the biologist from Germany. Scientists originally found unidentified species of ant of a similar type in the Brazilian rainforest in 2003. However, due to an accident in the laboratory... The ant dried up, making further research impossible. Last year, a separate team for the museum's research body was sent to the forest, and they stumbled across this tiny ant. Resembling a miniature wasp, the ant is like no other ant, and probably, how do they find out that this dates back 120 million years? Make it the oldest ant, still inhabiting the earth. Scientists used DNA samples from its front leg to establish its likely age. The last discovery of a new ant goes back to 1923. Okay. I have nothing to say. It just seems like such an absurdly specialized field of study that any comment I would make would just uh, render me even more dumb-looking than I usually am, because what do I know? Except that I keep hearing that the rainforest is gone, and yet we keep going in there and studying things. And we're constantly being told that the rainforest... It's like I was saying yesterday, but we're constantly being told killer bees are on their way here. 
And sort of like how Hurricane Ike was on its way for like three weeks. No, 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 any day now Ike's going to be here. It's just, it never, you know, and every day you'd look at the, 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 like the Doppler or whatever, and it was just unchanged. That second it was with the rainforest. You know, we're cutting down 50,000 acres of rainforest every day, which I think is just a lie. I think that must just be made up because it seems like it would be gone at this point. Well, what do I know? Well, maybe it brought out the ant to find out what was going on. Maybe. Here's Tim Riley. Strictly insurance agent AIG could be getting some help from New York State to stay in business. Governor Patterson said the state is poised to help AIG to move assets to and from subsidiaries, in effect giving itself a $20 billion loan. Was that billion? Yes. Yes, it is. Yes, it was, Tim. It's, it's $20 billion in a loan. Uh, the governor stresses, however, this is not by any means a handout. I want to underscore the fact that no taxpayer dollars are involved. This is not a government bailout. My throat is full of phlegm that I'm choosing not to get rid of. And where is this $20 billion coming from? Oh, Simply no. giving AIG, in effect, the ability to provide for a bridge loan to itself. Please forgive me. I had a lot of dairy before I spoke this morning. So wait, so $20 billion doesn't just fall out of the sky. Where is it coming from? It, it really doesn't say. So Apparently it's giving itself a $20 billion loan. You can't really do that, though. Well, if you have a monopoly game at home, you just take the money out of the box. Is that what they're doing? Pretty much. Can I give myself a loan of some I suppose. Some so if substance? you have some monopoly money at home, All right. use that. I don't understand. I guess I could get even more amped up about this whole thing than I am, but I really don't understand enough about how it works mm -hmm. to really weigh in properly. So well, I do know I paid my bill at AIG, and I'm still insured. So all that's right. all I care about. Well, there you go. Uh, saying that allowing uh, Lehman Brothers to go splat needed to happen, a top financial journalist said the government can't always bail out some of these troubled companies every time. Secretary Paulson would probably argue, if I could speak for him, that allowing Lehman Brothers to go splat, if I may be so graphic, is a good thing. Because at some point, there needs to be real consequences. There needs to be a moral hazard. Government cannot continue to bail out companies time after time. The Lehman Brothers went splat. The Don, Don Martin brothers went kaflooey. That's a Fortune magazine managing editor Andy Sewer. Yeah. So let's talk to John McCain. He claims if elected in November, he'll reform Wall Street and put an end to all this. Whatever that means. The top of our economy is broken. We've seen self-interest, greed, irresponsibility, and corruption undermine the hard work of the American people. It's time to set things right, and I promise to get the job done as your president. What does this crap mean? I don't under I no, I don't know, Tim. I was just gonna say it is the tail end of the campaign where people are just promising anything. I'm really tired of people shaking things up, reforming things, moving things around, juggling things, streamlining things, adjusting things in any way. Uh, just really just just give us just give us some jobs. I think we'd all be happy with that. He won't waste a minute, says John McCain. We're gonna put an end to the reckless conduct, corruption, and unbridled greed that have caused a crisis on Wall Street. We're gonna put a Yes. Yes, the Republicans are just Republicans are just the party to put an end to corporate greed. Yeah. Uh, there we have Barack Obama. He is uh, staking out today. What does that mean? He says he is staking out today while speaking about the nation's economic woes in Golden, Colorado. I raise this uh, not because I fault Senator McCain for all the problems we're facing right now, but I do fault the economic philosophy that Senator McCain subscribes to. More political crap. This is what happens when you see seven years of incomes falling for the average worker while Wall Street is booming and declare, as Senator McCain did earlier this year, that we've made great economic progress under George Bush. You know, it's got to be incredibly difficult to be any sort of political advisor at this point because there's 500 channels and a billion weblogs and 
uh, I mean, 900 talk radio shows all around the country. It's got to be massively difficult to have any sort of unanimity of message to try to get any of this crap out to the gullible American public. Yeah, plus they have another month left. They have to stretch out all this crap. Yeah, I mean, it really... And, you know, Sarah Palin already had her 15 minutes. Now she's gone. That's Nobody's talking about her already. And everybody sort of believes that the Sarah Palin buzz is going to kind of wear off, but I don't know that that's necessarily the case. I mean, look, it took a long time for that luster to come off of Barack Obama. Mm-hmm. I mean, people were really... I mean, you know, I guess his supporters are still... Uh, you know, his supporters are sort of excited about him still, but not nearly the level they were. Because, you know, it's like that initial rush sort of burns off after a while, and then you have to have, you know, what's it called? Substance. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so his, so his stars have faded a little bit, and it, it will eventually happen to Sarah Palin, but you, you got to wonder if it's going to happen before the election. I think that probably the afterburners on that speech of hers are strong enough that that, that sort of excitement about her in the base is probably going to still be there oh, on yeah, election definitely. day. That does accept the base. Yeah, so the Democrats have got to be uh, the Democrats have got to be real careful about this. Man, they're just going to have their lunch eaten again. So, well, Senator Hillary Clinton is doing everything she can help out making a speech. She says the Senate needs to strengthen paid discrimination laws. Often putting in very long hours at difficult jobs and not bringing home enough money to lift themselves and their children uh, out of poverty. What does that have to do with anything? I don't know. And who's she talking about there? Oh, ladies. All right. Well, that's, well, okay. I guess if you're going to pander, pander to the folks you need. Right. So, all right. Uh, Paul McCartney is prepping for his first ever concert in Israel. The special show comes more than 43 years after the Beatles are banned from performing in that country. McCartney is now uh, receiving death threats, warning him not to play. He says he's dismissing all these threats. There's always going to be somebody who will dispute with you should go to a country. I try and represent peace and bringing people together. So I kind of feel that when I go, it's more of a humanitarian thing. It's not political. In other news, the investigation into Friday's fatal head-on crash between a freight train and a Metrolink commuter train in Los Angeles continues with the focus on whether or not the engineer was text messaging moments before the crash. Metrolink Executive Director David Solo says engineers are not supposed to be on their cell phones while being... <sighs> Seriously. That does seem like it should go without saying, but what do I know? That's what he says. We're dealing with human error here. With any human error, it means that people have done things they're not supposed to be doing. There are very strict rules. That must be the engineer's wait, cell phone. Wait, where is he talking? Who is that? Uh, that's Metrolink's executive director, David Soul, who says engineers are not supposed to be on their cell phone. Really? Is he broadcasting that message from the Blitz in yeah, London? Apparently so. All right. Uh, let's do a couple more, and then we will try to stick to our vow to do the top five here in this hour so it doesn't get shunted to the side uh, like an unwanted child. Uh, here's uh, Tim Riley. Uh, so let's talk about this uh, new General Motors car. They're celebrating their 100th anniversary with unveiling what the automaker hopes is the next big step for the next 100 years. Mm-hmm. GM officials unveiled the Chevrolet Volt today in Detroit. North American Vice President for Design Brian Nesbitt said the Volt is a fully electric automobile. If you plug into the grid and charge your car every night, uh, it'd be about two cents a mile. And so uh, that would be quite a cost savings. So apparently this goes uh, 40 miles on the charge. But if you travel along the Volt's 40-mile range, you are not out of luck. There is a generator on the vehicle that allows you to extend that range, and it recharges that battery. It operates kind of like a generator they might have outside your house or something. Um, and that takes uh, can take gasoline, or it can run on E85 ethanol. All right, so wait, so they, can I buy this now? No. 
Of course not. Why? Can't, uh, never mind. Never mind. Never hey, mind. Because it's not made by the Japanese. No, it's going to be one of those things that I. I, I they just keep text messaging themselves back and forth and never get anything done. <laughs> <laughs> it makes the general public just pull out a chair and just. <laughs> Seriously. Uh, I mean, I. The, the Volt is almost here. Oh, really? The Volt is almost here. The, the Volt is. You know, the Volt is almost here the same way the killer bees are almost here and the rainforest is almost here. Never actually going to happen. Or so it seems to me. Uh, when I saw when I was at Spirit Mountain, Dennis uh, Miller was you know he was doing like a little riff about global warming and oil and whatever, and he did say something though that that was both funny and struck me as you never hear something and you just it's an idea that you've never really considered before, but as soon as somebody says it, you immediately jump to the conclusion that that's absolutely true. Somebody, someone brings a new idea to your attention, you know, sort of a hypothesis or a theory, and you hear it and you go, by God. I would wager everything I own that that's right. That just makes sense. And Dennis Miller had a really great point. He said, that, you know, probably somebody has already developed the car that runs on air or the sun or good wishes or lucky charms or something, and they're just sitting around just waiting. They're just sitting around waiting for the oil to run out. That's the deal. There's probably some nerd, some guy already got the patent, or he's got the patent. He's got the envelope. He's got the patent written. He's got the envelope addressed. He's got the stamp on it. He's got it in his hand ready to mail, and he's got the car ready to unveil and sell. And he's just going to wait until we are absolutely, truly, once and for all, effed on the oil front. And then he will immediately just call CNN and go, hey, uh, guess what I got in my garage? So he's just waiting for the right time to strike. I mean, how else would you explain this, just what seems to be deliberate foot dragging yeah. on the part of the American? How hard is it to make a goddamned car? Don't we have golf carts that run on electricity? Yes. Okay. I know that a golf cart isn't a car, and a car is a much different than a golf cart. But, look, here's the thing. I'm not that bright. I'm kind of, you know, a run-of-the-mill thinker, and if it occurs to me that you could probably take a golf cart and make it into a big car, probably some 12-year-old uh, freak, some Andrew Hoffman cat magnet guy who's working at one of the car companies could probably figure out how to take a regular car and stick it in the wall and you're good to go. I don't understand what is so difficult about this. Well, you see people riding around in those electric things, all those, those big blobs that they put in these electric things, and uh, they, they go around. And by the way, why do we need, like, 20 handicapped spaces at Home Depot? How many handicapped people in wheelchairs are hauling away lumber from Home Depot? <laughs> exactly. Some, They're all empty every time. Some guy no arms looking for a nail gun. I, I, give them a dozen, but not like three dozen. There aren't 300 people doing home improvement projects. Is that a government-mandated thing, or is that Home Depot trying to look, uh, you know, whatever? Probably. Uh. It's foolish, really. You know, does it, seem to, does it seem to you like there ought to be some sort of high-tech solution to that handicap problem? You know yeah. what I mean? Uh, there ought to be some sort of, I mean, I guess I don't really know how you do that, uh, but it, it seems like there ought to be some space that when it's not being, you know, that reverts to being a regular parking space. Mm -hmm. I guess I don't know how you do that. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, in any event. All right, so they can push a button and the handicap sign could go up. But I mean. It's, it's hidden underground. No, but I guess the theory is then like if what uh, handicapped guys show up and they can't park it. But really, when are 36 handicapped people all going to be at a Home Depot at once? You really do raise a good point about that. I think I do. Nobody I mean, pays any attention to me ever. No. <laughs> we pay attention to you, Tim. Well, thank you. But it's also not handicapped people. It's also old people. Because old people get handicapped permits. Do old people get to park in the uh, the handicapped spaces? Just slovenly people my mom who really used, don't deserve it. Well, my mom used to steal my grandmother's permit like around the holidays, and so we could... That sounds really terrible. No, no, you know, well, no, no, that's a system that really needs reforming. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, and I, I would actually go so far as to say this. You know, they really ought to, they ought to do something with that handicap, uh, whatever, the, the permit system or something, mm -hmm. where it ought to just be on the actual person. I mean, you ought to have, you know, the, the actual person ought to have like, uh, here's the thing, you know what they ought to do is like the... It always is microchipping. I always want to put microchips in people. That's what I was thinking, too. I was going to say, you ought... wait for you to say it. No, because it sounds improper to say we should microchip the handicapped. <laughs>
But and, they, they'd be easier to help in case they wander off and cause trouble, Tim. This is one of those ideas I should have written down the other day, though, because the other day I had some brilliant brainstorm about how to handle this problem. Because, look, I'll just say it because you didn't listen. Uh, my mother-in-law isn't handicapped at all, except by narrow-mindedness. And uh, But, you know, my father-in-law, no legs, full-on legless in a wheelchair. That guy's freaking handicapped. You know who uses the, the handicapped space? Never him. You know why? Hangs out at home. You know why? No legs. You know who uses the space? Mother-in-law. Perfectly healthy. Walks around yelling at people all the time. She's powered by, by pure, narrow-minded hate. Uh, I mean, she'll just, I mean, she'll outlive us all. My mother-in-law and cyborgs and cockroaches are going to be the last things alive on Earth. And yet, she's always, always going to the store with a stupid handicap thing hanging in her rearview mirror that does not belong to hers and that she is misusing in violation of man's law. And I was thinking the other day that I had some solution, you know, some way to stop that. And I didn't write it down, and now I've forgotten about it. I can't well, my mom would at least is. have my grandmother in the car with her. She wouldn't just, you know, like run off with it. That's the thing. So maybe you just, so that's it. if you're really going to use the pass, at least put a handicapped person to wait in the car and to hold it for you. Oh, oh and you dare roll down the window. Seriously. And okay, here's another thing. Let's and then we'll get to the top five. Moving off of this microchipping the handicap for a second, um, you know, because the handicap, uh, you know, they, you know, they get some stuff that's not ex- not extended to the general public. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, the uh, the disadvantaged get all the benefits. Here's the thing about parking spaces. Can we all agree on something right now? And this is my last observation, then we'll do the top five. This is sort of branching off from this handicap discussion. You know what happened to me the other day? So I'm driving around, and I was going to um, I was going to Powell's. And, you know, this is the Burnside Powell's. I dropped some stuff off. And uh, you know, I didn't have time to go out to Powell's Books at Cedar Hills Crossing. Fine sponsor, always my first choice. Didn't have time to go. So I'm downtown trying to park. And you know, parking in downtown is just like a nightmare to begin with. So you're doing that thing where you're like a... You know, you're like a gray shark, just circling around. Can't stop. Always got to keep going, at least slowly, because you got to be on the prowl looking for the space. So I come around the corner, and I see an open space, and I get closer to the space, and what is there? There's a woman standing in the space, blocking it, holding it for somebody who's probably on the way. Is she smoking a cigarette? Uh, you know, she was smoking a cigarette. Didn't have a little slim gyms. And you know what? And had a little tiny, one of those poodles with the pink legs. Like she spray painted it. Oh, yeah. A little pink legged poodle and a cigarette standing in a parking space on the street, like a curbside parking space, standing there. And really, can I just tell you this? If I could have gotten away with it, I would have just taken my car and used the car to shove her right out of there. I would have, I, I would have, I would have broomed her right out of that space with the front of my car. If I thought I could have gotten away with it, I thought the man wouldn't have found out about it. I mean, and let's do a quick poll of the room here. How do we feel about somebody standing in a street side parking space? to hold the space for somebody. I believe that that's dirty pool. It shouldn't be allowed. Sarah? It should not be allowed. You don't care, do you? No, this is the angry parking tirade, I believe, has gone on for long enough. I'm just saying, I think a lot of people have probably experienced that. We're trying to get Everybody a does, space. and there are all those stupid ones downtown that say, like, reserve, you know, no parking, any, like, all hours, all day. So yeah. For no reason. Some cankled, butt-faced woman holding the space for her idiot friend. There's nothing that can be done about it. All right. Sarah, what should we do here? Let's break and reset. All right. Let's take a break. We'll come back. We'll do the top five. Tim Riley, Nina Parker, and all that. Don't go anywhere. The Rick Emerson Show continues. You stay there. It's the Rick Emerson program. I'm a class.
sassy girl. Penis and Xbox. I'm a classy girl. You're a grandstander. That's all I have to say. I'm a classy girl. What is ringworm? I'm a classy girl. His tongue is hanging out. Look what I got you. I'm a classy girl. You know, I don't really recall. There are a lot of guys in the room. Yeah, I'm trying to find a bigger one. I'm a classy girl. Good news, everyone. I'm a classy girl. Jesus, for the love of Christ. I'm a classy girl. That's disturbing. And hilarious. That is disturbing. <laughs> Why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson radio program. All right, I'm feeling better. I'm not going to talk about cars, parking, driving, vehicles, steering wheels, tires, ever again. Nothing round. I'll never discuss anything uh, anything that's round or makes sort of a whirring noise ever again under any circumstances. It makes me disproportionately cranky. All right. Uh, coming up later on in this hour, see, uh, TMZ.com uh, correspondent Nina Parker will be joining us later on. CNN Radio correspondent James Roop. Uh, just a short while here, a couple minutes, we'll do the uh, top five Sarah Dillon, Love Lorne, Teenage Angst songs. Uh, still to come today, we're going to try to get to a uh, taser watch. This is Tim Riley. Now, now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Alaska Airlines and Horizon Air will reduce flights to and from Portland International Airport. Part of a larger group of cutbacks, Horizon Air will trim daily departures from 94 to 68. Alaska will reduce Portland departures from 35 to 29. Trimming its number of flights to Denver, Las Vegas, San Jose, Sacramento, and eliminating a flight to Orlando. Alaska Air Group says it'll cut back its workforce 8 or 9% or get rid of up to 1,000 employees. Former NSYNC member Lance Bass is again denying rumors that he will be paired up with a male ballroom dance partner for his turn on ABC's Dancing with the Stars. Bass, who's openly gay, says he has no hesitation about dancing with a man in the public spotlight, but says it'll be silly for him to be paired with someone of the same sex with the show, noting it will, quote, just overshadow everything else going on. Time now for a taser watch. Here's your taser yes. watch for Tuesday on the radio program. This comes us from Florida. Oh, damn it, I was getting coffee. Stop the a 40-year-old man walking his dog in the nude in northwest Tallahassee was tasered by police when he became belligerent and refused to follow an officer's command. He spotted the man around 8.15 p.m. Uh, when asked what he was doing, the man told the officers, Allah told me to watch a Bruce Willis movie and walk the dog. He was obviously having some sort of emotional distress. <laughs> you think? It was unfortunate we had to use the taser, but it was the only way we could subdue him without hurting him. You know, I think that's a lie. When the cops say that, no, 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 it was very unfortunate that we had to tase him. Because I think uh, the way that the cops, the cops don't have a stun gun. They have a taser, which means, mm-hmm. like a stun gun, you can just, that's what Sarah has. You can just do that over and over. You can tase, you hit somebody with that like 90 times. Who, who knows? 
But with the taser, where it fires the little darts that lodge in your skin and then they give you the, the zapping, mm-hmm. that's the thing where I think you can only fire it once and then you got to take it into the shop and they reload it and recalibrate it or whatever. And then I think you have to log the fact that you've used it just like whenever you, you draw your gun or whatever. So, so co- in other words, so cops just can't be using that willy-nilly. They have to have a, a real reason. They have to be able to justify it. Mm-hmm. And probably most cops go through the whole career, don't ever take out their gun, and probably now most cops don't ever have to use the taser. Mm-hmm. So really when the opportunity presents itself... And especially when you know you're not, like, it's one thing if you have to tase a guy because you think he might be getting ready to kill you or whatever. I mean, that's that's less fun. But if a guy is, what'd you say, walking his dog nude and said Allah told him to watch a Bruce Willis film? Yes. See, that's a guy, it's just fun to tase him. Because, I mean, because, you know, you you're, you yourself are not in any intimate danger, and then, you, you know, then you have a great story to tell. Mm-hmm. There you go. All right, there's your taser watch for Tuesday. Here's Tim Riley. This comes to us from Georgia with the question, was Richie Bristol there? A burglar may have been shocked when he opened a bag stolen from a Walker County home. The stolen bag was full of sex toys. The homeowner reported a break-in at his home. He told investigators he came home and found the lock of the door broken. A list of stolen items included jewelry, 75 DVDs, and a black bag full of sex toys. I thought sex toys were illegal in Georgia. They are. Georgia and Texas. They were in a black bag. Oh, that's right, because you have to keep them hidden from the man. Mm -hmm. Uh, Two Texas parents are facing felony charges after they bound their 17-year-old daughter and put her in the trunk of their car after she repeatedly threatened to run away. The parents dictate the teen's hands and feet and put a cap over her head. The teen was able to escape when she jumped out of the trunk of the moving car, causing her to fracture her skull. Uh, Detectives were alerted to the girl's injuries after she was taken by her parents to the hospital. The parents are charged with aggravated child abuse and false imprisonment. Uh, so a couple more, and then we will uh, do today's top five, because we're desperately trying to move that to the one o'clock hour, because it constantly gets uh, sort of kicked to the curb, and then, and then I just feel like an ass. So we'll do a couple of these. Top five, Nina Parker. A uh, 31-year-old Florida man was taken into custody after he attempted to pour gasoline on his wife and fumbled with a lighter during an argument over finances. Palm Bay officials were called to the home of Joseph England Wasserman, Uh, The couple were arguing about finances when the man picked up a gas container and attempted to splash her. He then fumbled with a lighter before pushing the woman into a bedroom. He's charged with assault, battery, and resisting arrest. The woman was not injured, and she was not ignited. Rescuers say an Australian kayaker broke his own leg to avoid drowning after his craft flipped over and he became jammed in a tree in a searching river. Uh, Apparently, there are a group of white water rafters in this this, uh, river. 38-year-old man broke two bones in his lower leg, wrenching himself free. He spent Saturday night in the River Gorge being cared for by colleagues. That included a doctor. Emergency workers who hiked into the area also uh, flew him out by helicopter. And I, tell you, I find kayaking to be uniquely terrifying, and I can tell you exactly why. I can trace it back to something I saw as a kid. I was watching, like, a, some outdoor program or some, you know, some mutual of Omaha's, you know, white water adventures or whatever. And they were showing some guy in the kayak, and I guess this happens not all the time, but more more than a little bit, where the guys with the kayak, and first of all, the kayak's a little terrifying to me anyway, because I don't even know how you get yourself in or out of that thing. It's all snug. Stuck in there. That's what I mean. It's like you're wedged in, like a boat. And this guy's kayaking, and then it does that thing where it, like, flips over, and he gets, you know, he, he does a 360. Like, he gets dunked underwater, and then he comes up the other side. This is, I mean, I remember as a kid watching that, and I don't really care for the water anyway, 
But seeing this guy wedged into this tiny little, you know, slice of a boat, and then he's going over the thing, and it, like, flips him under, and he does the 360 underwater and pops back up. And I remember that just traumatized me as a kid. And I was like, F that. Thank you. No. I mean, any chance there ever was of me becoming a kayaker was, like, snuffed out at that moment. So uh, I will pass on that. I don't think so. General Petraeus, whose strategy for countering the Iraqi insurgency is credited by many, but the rescuing of the country from an all-out civil war, or so we're told. Mm-hmm. Uh, stepped aside today as General Ray Ordorno took over as America's top commander in the conflict at a traditional change of command ceremony attended by top Iraqi and military officials from America also. Uh, they praised his skill and said he was the perfect man for the job. Petraeus said the insurgents and militia extremists have created such chaos in Iraq over the past five years that they are now weakened but not fully defeated. He also noted before he took over in February 2007, he had described the situation as hard but not hopeless. He thanked his troops for having turned hard but not hopeless into still hard but hopeful. Okay. Okay. Let's do the top five. Let's do the top five. Right, here's five, your top five for four, Tuesday. Three, two, one. I just bit my fire. lip. Ouch. That's going to hurt all afternoon. Yeah. Counting is wonderful. Counting is marvelous. Counting's the best thing to do. Counting is happiness. Counting is ecstasy. I love to count, don't you? Here's Tim Riley with today's top five. We've all been through it. Yes, the awkwardness of adolescence paired with unrequited love. Sitting in your home, pining away for that special someone, <laughs> even though they don't know you even existed. Well, if you can identify with this, be rest assured that Sarah Dillon can. And here is some of the soundtrack to her misery. Here they are, these, the top five love lore and teenage angst songs that a teenage Sarah Dillon listened to while locked in her bedroom, broken hearted. But not a mention going to Alanis Morissette. You want to know. So now, I have to ask now, are these songs, uh, are they all tied to a certain special someone in your past? Oh, no. I don't, and nobody is tied to anyone that I can even barely remember their name. Just remember how, what a big deal it seems like when you were totally. in sixth grade. Oh, no, yeah. This was like, this was eighth grade, which would have been Aaron. Not Aaron the Geek. No. No. That's now, Tim. <laughs> So wait a minute. Now, was this a guy that you had a crush on and he didn't notice you? Or is this a guy who dumped you? No, no. I don't, you know, I don't even specifically remember. That was just one of the boys that I remember I had a crush on. And so like, now. And this isn't, none of the specific songs are tied to everybody. I'm just like trying to remember who I thought was I was going to say, because this is an odd crush song. This would be more of a die, die, die kind no. of a song. No, it's great when I moved to uh, the island. So. And they were mean to you? All right. Hey, you know, here's the other thing, too. You know, the um, as you get older, you know, there's certain pluses to getting older, and I guess maybe you can say there's certain things in your youth that you uh, that you like that maybe don't stay with you as you age. Wait for it. I listened to it four times. I'm just saying, it's like that. That's the key moment there, right? Yeah. That's the moment when a whole generation went, "Wow, are you kidding me?" My sister and I were listening to this. My mom is like, "What the hell?" <laughs> Get to confession. This is not right. Uh, but I will say this: the thing that I don't miss from being a young person is having crushes. You know what I mean? 
you know, as you get older, maybe, you know, people you like or you're in love or you're just whatever. But, you know, there's that special... Maybe because you're married, too, because, you know, you still get crushes when you're at my age. I don't know, that, but it's that... Things that you know won't really go anywhere, but at the same time, they're, like, they're pretty. Maybe. But it's, it's like that special adolescent crush where it's like you got that whole thing where your stomach is, like, all... Uh, your stomach is all jittery and weird, and it's like it's like someone's taken a tiny miniature sun and put it in your stomach. Uh, you know, and it's both awkward and great all at once, and you're just like, I just don't know what to do. I just, I just remember, blah, blah. It's just, man, it's all kinds. Of, it's like way more stress than than I than I ever needed. Yeah, so. you still get crushes when you're older, but yeah, definitely not to that extreme that it was when you were younger. Well, because when the you're 15, totally, and because when you're a teenager. It's like somebody said once about you love, you know, music means more to you when you're a teenager because when you're a teenager, you're just one big nerve ending. Mm. I mean, everything is like, you know, the end of the world. You know, I'm sorry, we're not going to be able to go to the mall today. That's it, my life is over. Uh, here's Tim Riley. Number five, Guns N' Roses with November Rain. Really? Oh, yeah. I'll listen to this over and over again. So you would have been, what, like 12, 13? Yeah, I think it was, yeah, about 12, I was fifth grade. I've ever seen in my entire totally. Life. It's a great song, too. Mm. How would you not want to be a rock star? Oh, it's, like it's a great video. And all the big hair. And the, oh, it's so awesome. This was the last great Guns N' Roses video. After this, everything was crap. You gotta give it to uh, those guys in Appetite for Deception, too. They do the whole, like, they do the whole, like, nine-minute November rain. However long it is. They do the whole thing. Nine minutes? Yep. Great video. With his real-life fiance at that point, Stephanie Seymour. So what were the other two? What was the one that he was, uh, like, in the grave and he was all blue and naked? That's Don't Cry. And that's after this one? No, that's the first one. It's a trilogy. It's Don't Cry, which had two different videos for it because there were two different versions of the song. Is this the one at the end with the baby in the green eyes? Totally. Okay. That's actually my favorite Guns N' Roses video of all time, Don't Cry. Uh, and then this was part two. And then part three was for... Part three was for a song that is flat-out amazing, beautiful, a song called Estranged, which is a beautiful song. And people, you know, you look back now, and, it, you know, as, as, as things get compressed through the lens of nostalgia, people sort of remember, you know, the, the really loud stuff. But people sort of forget that Axl Rose wrote a lot of really sweet songs, and he wrote this song Estranged that is actually so, uh, so sort of poignant it's actually hard to listen to, but it had terrible video. It had a video that I swear to God at one point had Axl Rose jumping off the side of a... It had Axl Rose jumping off the side of a cruise ship, landing in the water in the ocean, and cavorting with dolphins. I swear to God. <laughs> I swear to you it's true. Axl Rose swimming with dolphins. Beautiful song. Uh, bad video. Well, this is a great song and video. It's going to get progressively worse. Yeah. This is like the last decent song I think you like. This also has that moment where Slash is playing guitar by the church. Yeah. Okay. All right. Sarah Dillon's top five lovelorn teenage angst songs. Oh, no, this one didn't pop Jim Riley. Number four. Yeah. This has got that weird video where he's in the cave. Yeah. Yeah. From Disintegration. The greatest album ever. So this was like maybe... Disintegration's like... I'm sorry, yeah, it is another greatest genius. This is like 89, maybe? 90, something like that? I remember I was pretty young. I didn't discover, you know, the cure, of course, obviously, until I was, like, older. Probably to, like, 7th, 8th grade. But this whole album, just the, the, the opening track, wait, is that Disintegration? Yeah, Disintegration. Yeah. This is, like, track three. And the, the first song, I think, is... Um, 
I don't think it opens with... God, I haven't listened to Disintegration forever. I don't think it opens with pictures of you. I think it opens with, like, a plain song or something. I could be wrong about that. All I remember is, I was kind of, you know, I was a Cure fan before. I'd heard, like, Boys Don't Cry and uh, Just Like Heaven and, you know, and all that stuff. But, um, you know, and, like, um, Close to You or whatever that song is. But, um... But I remember when this album came out, it was just, every, it was all anybody talked about. Like, all my friends were like, have you heard Disintegration? It's the best album in the history of everything. And we would all just sit in our rooms and just cry, you know, because that's what you did. And, uh... I would just alternate between this and Wish. Yeah. And I, uh, and I did have this huge crush on a goth girl right about the same time this album came out. And this is, like, the perfect time for the album to come out is when you have a crush on a goth girl who, of course, you know, always wants to, like, bang your friend, never you. Uh, and I won't, I won't even say her name. I won't say her name because she has a very distinct name. But there was this goth girl, and I was just totally head over heels had a crush on her. And uh, I remember she goes, so I have something, um, you know, really kind of, um, something I want to ask you. And, you know, you just tell me, be honest with me. And I'm like, oh, okay, here you What is it? And she goes, do you think Eric likes me? And I'm like, oh, come on. Oh. And then I just went home and listened to this for like three weeks in a row. Stupid life, stupid me, stupid Eric, dumb face. Oh. Wow, what a great record. God, he is so much stuff looking. You know, but the thing, I was talking to Joni about this the other day, the thing about The Cure, unlike a lot of bands of this genre, is they have a certain, this sounds weird because he's like, you know, wearing pancake makeup and his hair is all teased and he looks like a girl sometimes, is that they have a certain... Aggression to them. It's certain, you know, they're menacing. That's the thing. They have a certain menace to them. You know, they're a little aggro in the way that, like, it's like they're wearing war paint almost. Totally. And you know, you listen to Fascination Street, and that's a song. I mean, that's a that's a that's a messed up song. I mean, that's a real menacing song. They have a certain hard rock vibe to them that a lot of bands like this didn't. Uh, these are Sarah Dillon's top five love you know, teenage and teenage songs. teenage Tim. Number three, The Jewel and Foolish Games. <coughs> Lame. <coughs> this was an amazing album. Okay. Whatever you say. I would sit in my room and paint. Was this Pieces of You? Yes. Mm -hmm. I love the entire album. I just listened to it on repeat and um, paint my angry pictures. Did I criticize? Except from saying lame between coughs? Sorry. All this needs is sad, homeless animals. Totally. There is a, a horse running around without a home in it. Yes, I, and she'll run around in the like, blue light. I was just going to say, is she walking, and I really don't know, is she walking through the moonlight by herself? No, she's riding a horse through the moonlight, okay? Are you kidding me? I was just making I was making that up. I was messing and with you. Like, this, like gauzy something or other? Yeah, you know, it's like this like flowy dress, and she has a bunch of like flowers stuck in her hair and stuff. Is this the time where she starts yodeling? No. No, that's uh, You Were Meant For Me. Yeah, that's another good one, too. Oh, the whole album, come on. Wow, I forgot all about this. Hey, Richie, will you check the warm line? I know we're running a little late here. Can you see if uh, if that's Nina Parker? And if so, if she can she hang for a few? Or if we can call her back? You, if, Richie, check if we can call her back in a few minutes. We're, we're running kind of late here. Oh, yeah, baby. Yes. I cannot even tell you. Oh my god, my cousin! I'd be sitting on the floor of my bedroom. I had this bed, but I had like beaded curtains hanging around my bed. I just there. Picture. A page. 
These are Sarah Dillon's top five lovelorn teenage angst songs. Number two, Wilson Phillips. You're in love. You know it's genius. You're in love. I used to have to play this song. They really only had that one record. They never really had anything after that first album. Yeah. I loved that first album, though. Release Me, Impulsive, Ooh, Your Gold. My friend. Jesus. Realize the crap that's taking up space in the corners of your brain. I tried to sing this karaoke. My God, it's high. Yeah. Well, and because, and because two of them are Brian Wilson's kids, like they've got to do that weird, like the multi-layered harmony, you know, that like no one can really ever do. Yeah, I know what. I'm not going to lie and say I don't. I don't remember the video. Is Wendy, uh, is Wendy Wilson still amazingly hot in this video? Yeah. Yeah, all of them have full body shots except for Carney. Of course. Really close face shots. <laughs> look, through, look through a window. It's like she's looking through a porthole. <laughs> look around the corner, Carney. <laughs> <laughs> uh, she's peering over a fence in the background. Well, what can it do? Jesus. I can totally see you listening to this. Yeah, this is like sixth grade. Sitting like making like um like colored pencil sketches of things. Oh yeah. I remember specifically when our power went out. Our power used to go out a lot when we lived in that um, Goog Island. My little, you know, battery-operated... Your uh, like, Discman? No, it was like, no, it was a tape deck. Yeah. So it was like, it was, it was pink on pink, like, dark pink with the handle, and like, my fingers were like pink, and I just sat there and listened to this. And the idea that you would be listening to this and The Cure sort of in the same mood is kind of interesting. No, The Cure was a couple of years later. Ah. These are uh, Sarah Dillon's top five lovelorn teenage angsty songs. Tim Riley. Number one, expose. I'll never get over you getting over me. Now, see, this is the one that I knew she was going to be playing. But here's the thing. Tim and I both remember this being a country song. So I wonder if this is like one of those black velvet. uh, What's another example where they've done it? I don't want to miss a thing where they've done pop versions and then country songs at the same time. This is those. Ultimately depressing song. Having it's still depressing. With all your good time, friends, I don't think that you think of me. You're on your own now, and I'm alone and free. These are, these are great lyrics. I should get on with my life, but a life lived without you could I can totally see. I can see. Wait, here it is. I'll never get over you. Getting over you. This is so depressing. No, it is. And Crying a bucket of tears. <laughs> and I. And you know what? Lest you think I'm making fun, it's like I was saying about Cinderella earlier, that Depeche Mode song, Somebody, which is just like so pandering, you know? It, you can totally, though, project yourself back, and if you're honest with yourself, you can see how you'd be like, you know, it's so true. It's, uh, 
They're really saying it. They're really laying it right out there in this song. They're speaking directly to me and for me with this song. Wow. And this is Expose. Yes. All right, now i got to figure out who did the country version of it. All right, Richie Bristol, do you want to paint, uh, paint Nina, Nina Parker there from TMZ and talk to her and then Jim Roop? Yeah, I wonder if a lot of people remember this song. I, I don't, I never knew there was a pop version of it. I think it was stuck in my head ever since I heard it the first time. I'm like, oh, do you remember it? It's a great song, though. Yeah, I think it was because it was after I left Top 40 Radio, so I never had to play it, so I never really remember it. What's that phrasing that's just especially painful? It's the thought that you don't want to think, but totally. that's exactly and it's a great hook, though. It's a really great hook that uh, never... That's how you know it started as a country song, because it has that great play on words. Never get over you I getting over me. Hear the country yeah, I'll find it. We'll play it later. Ugh, all right. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. Sarah Dillon's top five lovelorn teenage angst songs. All right, well no, you're going to have to do yours. I can do mine. I'll do mine tomorrow. You want me to do mine tomorrow? I want you to do yours. All right, top five. All right, I'll do it tomorrow. All right, it's 503-733-2970. In a short while here, we'll talk to a CNN radio correspondent, James Roop. More from Tim Riley later on. Uh, let's see, what else we got coming up? Um, oh, we have uh, It's the Worst Song You've Ever Heard, uh, uh, Part 2. We'll do that. Uh, your calls and more. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from TMZ.com, the one and only Nina Parker. Hello, how are you today? Hey, guys, how are you doing? I'm good. Thank you for calling back. We were, uh, we were knee-deep in teenage angst just now. Oh, that sounds like a lot of fun. Uh, we were counting down uh, Sarah Dillon, our producer, her uh, top five lovelorn teenage angst songs. Nice. So, What's number one? Uh, it was Expose, I'll Never Get Over You Getting Over Me. So now I'm required to ask if you can just volunteer one song that you listen to as a teenage, uh, as a teenage girl trying to get over that one special person. Oh my goodness! <laughs> I, you know what, guys, I cannot think of anything. I usually would just cry myself to sleep. I don't really know <laughs> if I would listen to a lot of music I'm when sorry. I did it. <laughs> I didn't mean, I didn't mean to laugh at that just now. That's just, that's just, that's just a uh, that that was unexpectedly uh, that was an unexpectedly dark revelation just now. I know. No kidding. I, I, I honestly, I can't think of anything right now. My mind is totally blank. All right, no, fair enough. I think I used to, uh, and I think I used to sit and listen to, uh, you know, li- like I just dig up something like really, really, because my dad had this like extensive, um, this extensive terrible country music collection, uh, and so I would just find some terrible, awful, cheesy maudlin song, some country K-Tail collection from the '70s, and there yeah. would always be something on there that was basically an excuse, you know, for rednecks to cry themselves to sleep, and that's what I would listen to in my room, you know, pondering some. Pondering some trashy girl at my high school who I right. thought should be in love with me who wasn't. Anything Sade also is pretty good. I think anything Sade will make you want to, you know, yeah. run into the ocean. Yeah. <laughs> I was, I, was a, uh, I worked at Top 40 Radio, and I would get requests for that late at night. And it was always, and they would call up, and they would just have that sad uh, tone in their voice, like, I just want to make a request, and it, it would be, it would just mean the world to me. Um, if you could play it for me, you know, and then you always knew the sad song was coming. You always yeah. knew it. So, all right. Uh, okay. In the world of gossip, there's all of this stuff, uh, going on, just a, a huge pile of stuff. So, uh, first of all, and, and I, if you're not, uh, if you can't speak to this right now, uh, then, uh, then you can't. I, is there anything sort of happening on the, on the Lindsay Lowen front? Because there's been all this stuff about her and Samantha Ronson, and I, uh, and I, and I have to apologize because I haven't been able to check TMZ, uh, since I went on the air today. So I don't know if there's anything kind of going on with them. Are you talking about in addition to her hitting a paparazzi, or are we talking about her love life? Well, there's well, there's that. There's the her hitting a paparazzi, and I actually don't know the whole story there. So what is what is the kind of scoop there? Well, we'll, we'll kind of you know intertwine all of this. Well, she the other day she was out in New York City. She was out at night, and she bumped into a barricade, a silver barricade, and for some reason she thought someone pushed her. Mm-hmm. 
uh, tripping over your own feet, I guess, is not as easy as we thought. So she tripped, thought someone pushed her, reached back and punched a paparazzi in the face. Uh, the police were called. No charges were made because apparently the officer said no blood was drawn, so there were no reason to make any charges. So right, she right. was able to kind of get away from that. But um, in addition to that, so I guess to uh, be happy that she wasn't getting brought up on charges, she blogged today um, about her and Samantha Ronson. She doesn't really name Sam, but she does say something about, to the effect of, I love that special someone in my life, you know you are, which, I mean, everyone knows she's with Samantha Ronson every right, day. Kind right. of put the puzzle piece together. It's not not too hard. It's not it, a game of clue. <laughs> it's interesting how that's sort of been, uh, that's been revealed in layers because first it was just sort of, of a, you know, people sort of whispered about it, and then I think uh, either I think her dad mentioned something about right. it, and she denied it, or her publicist said, you know, he doesn't know what he's talking about. And then they were sort of photographed, and then Samantha Ronson said something about it. And it seems like they are. It seems like for whatever reason they're kind of holding back on making the official announcement. But it doesn't seem right. like that's inevitable at this point. It's, it's definitely one of those things where you don't need. The, I mean, you know, you can kind of look at it and, and you know call a spade a spade. You, they're together all the time. We've got pictures of them making out on the website. We've got pictures of them holding hands, they're always together, you know, they're they're a couple, and that's something that, you know, they should celebrate, They, you know, there's nothing that they need to hide from anymore, I mean, there's no point sure. anymore anyway, because we've all seen them together, and they blog about each other, and, you know, they should just get on with it, and come out to the world. All right, hold on, note to self, <laughs> note to self, Lindsay Lohan making out on websites. Yes. Uh, file that away for uh, later on If you want to see that sort of thing. You know, if you're, if you're into that kind of thing. Exactly. Um, uh, and then, uh, so Kanye West, there was this whole dust-up at LAX with Kanye West, and I think at one point he was saying, again with the paparazzi, he was saying that some guy shoved him or pushed him or whatever, but I know that that's, that's now no longer the, uh, the sort of official no, no, story. No. no, not true, and we actually have the video of the whole thing because our guy was involved and it not initially, but you know he he pushed the still photographer, and we were kind of filming the whole thing. And as he noticed, we were kind of getting this whole incident on tape. He approached our guy and broke right. our guy's camera as well. So yeah, right now the the thing about the Kanye story is that he was arrested on a felony vandalism charge, but now it looks like he may it may go down to a misdemeanor, and it's all determined on how expensive the portion of the camera that he broke was because the camera was broken in two pieces. His bodyguard broke apart, and he broke apart. So it looks looks like Kanye may get off on a technicality just because the portion that he broke was less than $100. So It is interesting to see how the, uh, the dollar figure on the camera, though, because it's sort of like I always figure if you're a celebrity and you damage something that belongs to somebody, suddenly the uh, the appraisal of that item, the dollar value probably increases. It's like when you uh, it's like when you return a rental car without gas and suddenly the gas is $9 a gallon right, when they're going to put exactly. it in themselves. All right. Nina Parker from TMZ.com. As always, a pleasure. Thank you for tolerating our schedule difficulties uh, today, and we will talk to you next week. All right, guys. Great talking to you. Thank you, Nina. There you go. Nina Parker from TMZ. Wonderful. Excellent. All right. We'll get Jim Roop here in just a moment. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. Hello. Hi. About the tasing in Florida? Yes, sir. Uh, a couple things. The uh, uh, You know when a cop gets back to the locker room, when he tased a guy, he can't wait to tell everybody about a tasing. Totally. You know, a gun may be different. There's, you know, gunfire is probably not funny unless you shot the guy's pinky toe off or something. But my other point is, okay, I don't have an AP style book. Yes. But now a dog or a, a man walking his dog in the nude or a nude man walking his dog, what would be better? Well, probably a nude man walking his dog. Yeah, I thought so. Yeah. But Hey, I never went to college. No, it's, there was actually a story in the Associated Press that the AP story actually said 
Let's see. I think I pulled it, but then I threw it away because I didn't think I was going to talk about it. And, of course, it's like throwing out a little jar of nails in the garage. You need it the next day. It was something like um, it was it was it was man. It was man hits a bear riding a bicycle or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, you know, it was like Milwaukee man hits a bear riding a bicycle. And you just got to wonder at this point if they're just taking writers yeah. directly out of grade like school. Man bicycling hits bear. That's what I'm saying. That's right. more concise and more accurate. You're right, sir. Thank you, my friend. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Oh, Rick, you bastard. I can't believe you, you've, uh, unless, unless I've missed something so far today uh, while I'm uh, toiling away, you have failed to reference the demise of Richard Wright. Well, uh, it's not that you've missed something so far today, but you did, in fact, miss, uh, what do we call that, yesterday when we talked about it. No kidding. Yes, it, we did. That, We're Johnny on the spot, sir. We don't, okay, we don't. Well, my bad. You know, I, I am very sick. I was listening yesterday, so that flew right by me. So really, the fault is yours. Even had it it is. You know what? Haha, Sherrod, I am then. Yes, it's your fault for not being <laughs> no. an attentive listener. Well, you know, I got home last night and, and I uh, was tooling around the interwebs and, and came across it, and it just it, it literally hit me like a punch in the chest. Yeah, uh, Rick, the, uh, and I, and I got to say, I mean, how do I put this? I, I don't mean to be trampling on, on Richard Wright's uh, grave. It's just, I guess, you know, I'm, I'm a big Pink Floyd fan, but I think I'm more of a... Uh, yeah, I'm a fan of the final product. In other words, I'm a big fan of, uh, you know, certainly a, a specific era of Pink Floyd. In fact, I was at the, this, is, this is not a plug, but I was on the, at this place called the Barley Mill Pub the other day, which is this yep. uh, pub on Hawthorne, which, good, good which I, I like despite the fact that everything there is covered in Grateful Dead uh, imagery. Yeah, so no I can sort of get past that. But you know what they were playing at the, at the Barley Mill Pub the other day? They were playing the Pink Floyd Animals album in its entirety. That, that's epic. That's one of my favorites, easily. Animals is just a, it's a really great record, and a record that never really gets played because there's no singles on it. But, um, so, I, you know, and, and I'm a fan of Roger Waters because I kind of like his pure distilled sort of loathing for everything. And, obviously, yeah. David Gilmour is, you know, a, you know, the great influence on that band musically. But Richard Wright, and probably Nick Mason both, but Richard Wright was a guy, I guess I never really considered his contribution to Pink Floyd. I didn't even say there wasn't any. I just never really thought Our about it. Side is 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 lush with uh, Richard Wright's influence, though. See, and I didn't know that, and I was reading the uh, comments on the um, Space page, and there were a lot of people kind of echoing your comment, which is that it was, like, really a big downer for them that Richard Wright was dead. And I guess I just never really had considered his, his input. It killed me. I, I, I've seen Floyd six times. Oh, and, bastard. Uh, bastard. Well, I, this is a, just the, the craziest freak occurrence for me is, uh, Tacoma native, yes, uh, explains a lot about me if you knew me, mm -hmm. but, uh, family moved to LA back in 86. And, uh, whom do I get sat next to in geometry class? Bob Ezrin's son. No, get out. I'm not kidding. And so I became really good friends with him because he was kind of a, he's kind of a, an outcast sort of weird guy and, and, uh, and so I and and we hit it off immediately because I it was like well what are your you know what are your favorite bands like Pink Floyd you know it's like holy crap I'm Bob Ezrin's son no, no so kidding and so, Bob Ezrin by the way for people to know Bob Ezrin is the guy who produced the Wall uh, among other things he also produced uh, just he also produced Destroyer for Kiss he also produced right uh, he also produced Welcome to My Nightmare for Alice Cooper he produced maybe the most cheerless album of all time which is Lou Reed's Berlin. <laughs> Uh, I mean, he really is. Bob Ezrin looms large in the history of rock. But yeah, well, if for no other reason than he produced The Wall for Pink Floyd. Absolutely. Well, he also played a little bit of uh, stage guitar for, uh, on Floyd tours. Uh, uh, no. You know, he was a really close friend of uh, of David Gilmour's, and, and so I, I I got in. I got it was a five night stand at the L A at the uh, L A uh, Sports okay. Arena. Okay, we're gonna stop, and I'm gonna ask you a question, point blank. Shoot. 
Are, is part of the story going to be that you saw the full-on, huge, screaming production of The Wall in L.A.? No. Okay, good. I mean, no, no, no offense, because then we'd have to kill you. I know, no, it was. I, I got, but I, but I scored uh, because of Jeff. I, I scored sweet tickets uh, for six separate nights. Both uh, there was a five night stand at the LA Sport, uh, Sports Arena, and then uh, also at the LA Coliseum uh, in '87. And uh, delicate uh, for a momentary lapse of reason. Exactly, yeah. and uh, it was. Well, I was I was already a freak uh, fan at that point, but. Uh, so I mean, it was the, talk about something that is just uh, you know has burrowed into your skin, you know, as you you know in your developmental years. And so you know, reading that last night was just that, that was to me worse probably than uh, you know knowing one of my parents died. Right. You know, well, it was just it was just. But that, that I, I didn't. I sorry, my bad. I didn't. I missed it yesterday. I must have uh, stepped away from the radio when you were talking about. So it. in summation, Pink Floyd is wonderful. I was right, and you were wholly incorrect <laughs> in this case. Well, you know what, and and just uh, yesterday and today, uh, I will have to say you've been in your one of your finer forms, and I've actually been uh, LOLing uh, more constantly. Uh, you, you've kind of been. You're, I love your sense of humor, and you, we kind of share you know some finer points to it. Uh, but in the last few weeks, you haven't been that on your game. But yesterday and today, you've you've made some what is comments. That? That, Not on my game the last few weeks. Uh, for a while. Yes. All right. Well, thank you. Well, I'm glad to know that I've I'm glad to know that I've rescued myself from the cinders hey, of mediocrity. You, know you can feel free to talk of you know squirrel stories uh, anytime. That was right. friggin' hilarious. Thank you, my friend. Later. All right. There you go. Uh, all right. So now that call went from uh, like uh, wonderful to then uh, to then uh, now is filled with envy and now now it ends on sort of a eh, kind of a, all right. Uh, well, do we not have uh, Roop? I'm guessing not. Because I guess that backup line. Richie, what does it do with the backup line? I'm sorry, what? Oh, so it doesn't. Oh, so it's still not ringing over. So we probably, so Roop was probably trying to call and it didn't come together. Is there? Can we? Uh, let me ask you this, Sarah. In your KCMD estimation, Portland. oh, I'm sorry, KCMD Portland. In your estimation, should we call CNN about that? Well, it depends. What else are we going to do for the rest of the show? Do we have lots of things to do? Well, we have things to do. Uh, but, uh, I mean, is it in your... It's already 2.15. So do you want to take a break? Get yeah. caught up? All right. Yeah. Well, let's take a break. Maybe we'll ring CNN during the break. We'll apologize. See if we can get Roop on the other side. And then we'll have uh, Tim Riley coming up. All right. There you go. Uh, it's 503-733-2970. Stay there. Back after this. Don't go anywhere. I gave her that ring, hoping she'd be true to me. But I soon find it was drunk sincerity. Why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. Thank you for coming along. Uh, in just a moment, we'll talk to CNN Radio correspondent James Roop. Uh, then uh, Tim Riley from the Ministry of Truth. Don't forget, tomorrow, 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 less than 24 hours from now, uh, Roddy Roddy Piper will be in the studio with us, uh, along with his son. His son, of course, Roddy Roddy Piper, a legend. And then his son is going to be participating in Sport Fight 24, uh, happening this coming Friday. September 19th, 7.30 p.m., uh, the Rose Garden Arena. So there you go. Rowdy, Rowdy Piper, ladies and gentlemen, tomorrow here in the studio. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show. From Las Vegas, Nevada, his new home, Jim Roop. Hello, sir. How you doing? Oh, I'm okay. So 
First of all, so I thought there was some kind of a uh, mix-up, a kerfuffle, an imbroglio uh, earlier when you. I thought you were trying to call in, and then there was a whole thing of the warm line being busy, and it was all very complicated. But apparently you were... Well, I was, so I was stuck. You were in your favorite place in the O.J. Simpson courtroom. And it really is being stuck. I mean, it's like hell. Yeah. Remember remember as a Catholic kid, and they, they tell you about limbo? Mm-hmm. That's what I felt like. I was yeah, you are in purgatory. No place to go, haven't come from anywhere, just sitting there waiting for something. So you're in purgatory waiting for the sufficient number of prayers to be said for you on earth so that you might be able to leave. Terrible, terrible. Yeah, yeah. Hey, what is that? Is it in Pinocchio where there's that island with all the boys and they turn into donkeys at the end? You know what I'm talking about? I know what you're talking about. Uh, uh, That's it, Treasure Island, isn't it? Yeah, because I would, you know, we were, you know, I was thinking about Las Vegas, and Las Vegas, in many ways, like some of the casinos Lost are like boys or something. Like totally, that. they're like that. It's like that island. Uh, yeah. So many times you go to those casinos and you're like, wait a minute, this is just like that island in Pinocchio. So you, on the other hand, are there in what the Mormons would call spirit prison, neither in heaven nor hell, just in a tedious existence of suffocating sameness. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, anyway, so, and this is all true. So, okay, so the O.J. Simpson thing, as Art Bell said long ago, grinds on from day to day. Is it true, by the way, that um, that the prosecutor in his opening statements found a way to work in a reference to the 94 killings? Yeah, he did. And that's got to be um, that's got that had to have been one of those things that he sat down and worked real long and hard on how to find a way to mention that. But but even even the defense attorney sort of did that by saying, uh, you know, forget about his past. We all know about his past. We all know about this. You know, let's not. We can't focus on that. You know. Um, but see, in the eyes of the law, O.J. Simpson was acquitted, so he wasn't even there. Right. Right. You know, and and that's what the judge is going to. When she gives her jury instructions, she'll have to say that. She'll have to say, look, all you can focus on is what you heard during these weeks here. And uh, that's it. So, if if they can really do that or not, that's just that's another thing. Well, they had some... right now. They're, they're starting to glaze over like I am. The first day, you know, they're pretty intense. They're pretty focused. Today, they're going, "What in the hell?" Well, because the first because the first day, right? You have the novelty of like, "Hey, it's an O.J. Simpson trial." Remember O.J. Simpson? Yeah. Woohoo! Uh, and then you know, but after the first day, you're like, "Oh God, I'm really here for the duration." Good Lord! Judge, she's like a mom, man. She. If I was if I was one of these attorneys, I'd stand up and say, "Look, Judge, if you're going to try my case for me, I'll just go home." Because she's constantly interrupting and saying, right. "Don't answer that, don't say this." You better say it like this, Mister Grasso. You know, he just ah, come on, lady. She wants it to speed up, but she's the one dragging it down. It's like a criminal case is run by Susie Orman. <laughs> exactly. Um, the uh, and so you know, instead of instead of can I buy this, it's can I make this observation? She goes, you know, show me the money. No, you are denied. You may not say that. That's right. Uh, and didn't they drill some guy for like three hours until he actually was like, I have chest pains, i got to leave? Yeah, I don't think he really did. I think that was, uh, I think he was faking that. He was just sick of it, just sick of the whole thing. Look, man, I'm an Eagle Scout. I can recognize the symptoms of a heart attack. <laughs> this guy wasn't even sweating. Excellent. All right, well. You know what I'm saying. And so well, it was, you know, it's kind of interesting. Bruce Fomong, he's one of the alleged victims, yeah. one of the sports collectors. And he he was uh, probably three hours in the testimony, three and a half hours, almost four. Uh, he's being grilled by the uh, defense attorney for one of the defense attorneys, Gabe Grasso. And he just starts to point to his chest and, you know, gives that, gives that look on his face. Right, right. Grasso said, you want to take a break? Let's take a break. The paramedics came. They looked at him and said, "Yeah, you're okay. Go back on the stand tomorrow morning." It was a guy who just wanted to just wanted to get out for a while. Uh, it's like, I think it's like he had, I, honestly, I think he had to think. It's like uh, it's like pulling that emergency stop on a train or whatever. You know what I mean? You're just I guess if I pull this, they have to stop for a while. 
Um, and then, so are you there? Here's, I know you probably already told me this, but are you now? Are you heading back to L.A. every now and again, or what? What is your deal? Well, I think I'm bugging out of here Thursday morning because oh. I got the Emmys on Sunday. Oh, that's right. Who and even knew those I'm were not, coming up? I know. I forgot all about it myself until I was. It was my cage was shaken today. Right. But um, and then I don't know if I'm coming right back here or not because I also have to, from what I understand, I have to cover one of the debates. Uh, that's coming up. I think the one in St. Louis, the vice president debate. That'll be a good Really? Be- You're going to cover the vice presidential debate? I hope I hope that's the one I'm doing. One what, in St. Louis. What date is that happening? Do you know? Um, October 3rd, I want to say. Yeah, because that's, I mean, that's the one that everybody's going to watch. I mean, obviously, everybody, you know, I'll watch all of them, and some people will watch all of them. But, man, that Palin-Biden, especially because that's, like that's like a winner-take-all. It's the only one they're doing. Yeah. So, yeah, um, Biden, Biden, that's going to be a good one. I, I've, I've always liked Joe Biden anyways. You know, I wonder how much he'll pull back. Well, he can't pull back at all. I mean, he, they've, they've got to – I was talking to somebody about this last night. I mean, they, the Democrats have, have got to make a decision within themselves. They've either got to say, look, we're going to just going to develop the stomach and the spine to do what it takes to win – or they're going to do that other thing of talking about their great moral victory as they're cleaning out their desks. I mean, it's you know, there's no two, there's no two ways about it at this point. There's there's no third option. Uh, I'll tell you so, right now, on any any given day, depending upon how you know what day the vote will be taken, either party could win at this point. Yeah, yeah. You know, so it's it's going to be interesting. It'll go all the way down to the wire. But I, I think you're right. I think the vice presidential debate will tell more and give the voters more information than the presidential debate will. Uh, we've all heard McCain and. And Obama for for almost what seems like years. Well, as Tim Riley is. As Tim Riley's pointed out, they've actually now stopped even talking about specifics, and they've just gone back to, we're going to shake things up. We're going to turn but, things around. Just, you know, have the they same, ever really talked about specifics, Tom? Same old dreck. Uh, there you go. Two, two things. One, so, is it, so Rickles, is it true that Rickles is co-hosting the Emmys? I, I haven't heard that. Tim? He might be right up and stuck here in, in purgatory. So I, I believe know. it's supposed to be Rickles and Kathy Griffin. Okay, so Rickles. Now, and, that would be interesting. See, that, that might actually give it a watch. Uh, and then, of course, I now almost hesitate to bring this up. I was going to ask you if you're going to do this, and now I know that you're not. Um, are you, you are a member of SAG, are you not? Yes. All right, so did you get this invitation to uh, spend an evening with the cast of AMC's Mad Men? Yeah. Yeah. So, but uh, regrettably, see now I almost feel bad bringing it up because Tim and I, Tim just just realized the other day he'd been invited to this, and of course, there's no chance for us to go. And so we were hopefully we were going to try to live vicariously through you, but now of course that has been taken away from us as well because you're going to be stuck in the stupid Nevada. Either that or when is it? What night is it? It's tomorrow. Yeah, no, 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 no. I'll be here still. No, that's a lose, lose, yeah. lose, my it's friend. Be in the Pacific Design you know, if it was if it was Thursday or Friday, I could make it. But no. if it's tomorrow night, no. No, no of so course my, not. My, my wife called me and said I got the invite. Yeah, that's that's nice. Let you know about something you can't go to. So that's, well, that's all right. We she's can't. She's real go good to. at that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, would you like to know about something you're missing out on? How's the heat? Hey. Uh, enjoy the grit. All right. Uh, well, we will undoubtedly talk to you uh, tomorrow. I think. Yes. Are you on tomorrow? I hope so. All yes, right. sir. Well, we're trying to be a bright ray of sunshine in your otherwise bleak and drab jury uh, or uh, courtroom-bound existence. You know, so. And very successful. All right. Thank you, my friend. Go home and uh, go back to your room and drink. All right. Thank you. All right. Thank you. There you go. Jim Roop, ladies and gentlemen. He does not sound happy to be there. He's kind of got that He's kind of got that beaten dog thing going on in his voice right now. Jesus. All right. Uh, let's see. Uh, Rowdy Rowdy Piper. Yes. Uh, I've got some notes to get to. We'll talk about the oh, we'll talk about the decline of Western civilization too. Uh, here in just a few. This, however, ladies and gentlemen, is Tim Ryder. And now, though, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Oh my! The most important news at this moment comes to us from CBS News. Does it? It does. It does. 
Yes, it definitely does. Are you? Am I supposed to be doing something? Oh, I thought you were going to play a sounder or something. For CNN? No, CBS. Oh, C CBS. Yeah, uh, do I have a CBS sounder? Let's see. I don't believe I actually have a sounder specifically for CBS News. Well, it doesn't matter. I'm so, well, no, now I, now I feel compelled to find something. Wait, hold on. Hold on a second. I'll hold off a couple no, of minutes. No, just wait. This is then wait. I'm just going to give up. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, the only thing that's coming up here that I can see is, buddy, can you spare a dime? And that's probably not appropriate to play. No, this I point. think I should just read this. All right. <laughs> wait, hold on. No, 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 I'll play this. Wait, no, no, no. Here's, here it is. Oh, that's terrible. Oh, no. That's terrible. Oh, he's dislocated. That's just awful. There you go. Our top story, Katie Couric will interview Sarah Palin on the campaign trail. Katie will spend two days traveling on the campaign trail with Sarah Palin on Sunday, September 28th and Monday, September 29th, conducting an exclusive interview to be broadcast on the CBS Evening News with Katie Couric beginning Monday the 29th. The coverage will continue on Tuesday the 30th on The Early Show and CBSNews.com. Coverage of Katie's travels and interviews with the Republican vice presidential nominee will include exclusive behind-the-scenes access as Katie and uh, the governor talk about what ladies talk about in the background. The interview will take place just days before the vice presidential debate between Palin and Joe Biden in St. Louis. Portions of the interview will be available across all CBS News platforms. Does that include us? Are we a news platform? Aren't we, Tim? Oh, yes. Well, sort of. So. I mean, if you... In sort of an inside quotes kind of a way. Yes. Uh, so, okay, so Katie Kirk's going to get two days of covering Sarah Palin. Yes, she's so, going to follow her around. And is that going to be the first thing she's done since the Charles Gibson thing? I guess so. Because they were... The, McCain was talking that nonsense about, we're going to make her available to every new... Which is like a lie. Mm -hmm. uh, because I think that she did the Charles Gibson thing, and I don't think she talked to anybody else after that. Well, then uh, Sarah Palin announced today she's not going to cooperate with that investigation. I saw that she won't even meet with the investigator. Yeah. Which is both angering and kind of great all at once. It's like, we're investigating you for corruption, and we need you to meet with the investigator. And she just kind of went, well, no, I don't want to. Which, you know, I guess... You know, if you can do that and get away with it, Busy do it and get away with hair it. Teased totally. Busy hair teased. Totally. I'm busy being transported back to 1985 for my wardrobe and hair. Slaughter some livestock. Uh, Jesus. So, Katie Curry, and it does make you wonder, though, and I'm not, of course, uh, you know, I'm a team player here, but it does make you wonder if any news organization, whether it's ABC because of Charles Gibson or CBS because of Katie Couric, do they have to cut some kind of deal with the McCain-Palin campaign to get that two-day access? I bet they have to submit all questioning beforehand now, and it's not going to be as open as the last one was. I mean, because I was thinking, well, maybe this is Katie Couric, who does seem to have a bit of a challenge on her hands in terms of the way she is sometimes perceived. Mm -hmm. Don't you think, on the one hand, this would be her opportunity to really establish herself as a serious news person? Because, you know, so much that she just does fluff and frills and she's just there to look pretty and, you know, all that. Crosses those shaved legs. Yeah, exactly. She just sits there and she tries to look like she just came off a catwalk as opposed to just, you know. Somebody pointed out yesterday when I was, we were talking about how it's, it's nice to see normal looking people on TV shows every now and again. And a guy sent me this email and he said, you know, I miss when the news was delivered by ugly people. You know, he said ugly people on television delivering the news are inherently more believable than pretty people on television delivering the news. I guess he doesn't watch very much Portland news. How do you... A British bank will buy financially troubled Lehman Brothers. It'll cost about $2 billion. It includes equity, fixed wow. income, and some other parts of Lehman's business, like phones and modems. and. You can talk right now, but I'm not really hearing anything you're saying. I know when to move on. 
Well, Lynn Spears has uh, a uh-huh. Lynn Spears has a has a opened up a shop today. She's selling her brand new book. It's already on sale. Lynn Spears' book, Through the Storm: The Real Story of Fame and Family in the Troubled Tabloid World. In it, I don't know if this is new information or not. She confirms that Britney Spears lost her virginity at 14 to an 18-year-old boyfriend, and that her daughter started drinking at 13 and did drugs at 15. Surprised? I'm just back thinking about uh, Katie Couric, Tim. Oh, oh, we're not done with that story. No, I'm just going to make this one observation about Katie Couric interviewing Sarah Palin. Uh-huh. It seems like Katie Couric gets dogged fairly or unfairly by these allegations that she is there to be... Uh, pretty. There to be pretty and maybe doesn't do the Island hard-hitting... And whatnot. Doesn't, doesn't really do the deep-probing journalism. But So it seems like, on the one hand, she could take this opportunity to really uh, silence those critics by doing a real powerful, hard-hitting, you know, not mean-spirited, but I mean, a very serious sort of interrogation of Sarah Palin. But on the other hand, you've got to figure that the CBS Evening News, as a holdover from the sort of Dan Rather era, it just gets accused so often of being in the tank. Uh, for Obama and for the Democrats, that you got to wonder if maybe they overcorrect and they don't do that, and if it's just going to be a bunch of softballs because CBS gets tired of being accused of being a, a wing of the liberal media. So I will be curious to see how that uh, to see how that goes. All right. Well, good for you, Katie Couric. Good for you, Katie Couric. Yes, indeed. Uh, there's a possible fireworks ban going on in the Couve. Now, first, Fort Vancouver said it's not going to put on its annual Fourth of July festival with a huge fireworks show, and now. All of Vancouver could be without fireworks. City officials met to discuss the idea of banning fireworks in the city. How, how do they how do they plan to do that? The city fire marshal favors the ban, saying the injuries the local crews respond to every 4th of July. So banning them will make all these problems go away. Oh, they ban it the same way they're going to be uh, banning hookers in 82nd, apparently. Why don't we give all the hookers fireworks? Then all the people from the coop can come over to 82nd and be entertained in more ways than one. Okay, when you first started out there, I didn't know what you were talking about, and it made no sense, but then you were able to bring it all back home. So you can get all your illegalities in one place. Correct. Get hookers with Roman candles. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, that's enough for me for now. Uh, all right, before you what go, Tim. Well, before, I, was gonna, I know you have to go prepare more news for the people. Uh, so I got a little pile of news stuff I want to get to at some point. But uh, before you go, Tim, uh, we can either do uh, some notes that I jotted down last night or the worst song ever. Your choice. Note you jotted down last night. All right. There's plenty of time for bad songs. Here's some notes that I jotted down. Uh, VH1 ought to launch a reality program and or a sitcom called, and they could do this in conjunction with uh, Metal Mania on VH1 Classic. Metal Mania ought to have a sitcom on VH1 called Lemmy and Squiggy. I guess that's possible. Yeah. Lemmy and Squiggy. That's mm-hmm. a play on Lenny and Squiggy, which was a sitcom in the 70s, Sarah. It's a spin-off of Happy Days. Never mind. Are there any other notes? Yes, there are, Tim. Uh, I was thinking that I had actually just create a clearinghouse. I had to just create some sort of a website somewhere. Because, you know, I'm always, like, rolling out these ideas that somebody ought to do. And then I never, you know, and I'm always saying, like, here's an idea that somebody should do because I don't have any time. There ought to be a website where you can just do that, where you can post a great idea, something that you would like to see done but that you don't have any time to do. You can post the idea online and then hopes that somebody will actually do it. In other words, it's an idea in which you have no vested financial interest. You give up all all rights to any sort of monies that may be made by this idea, but it's something you would really like to see in existence. And you go to this uh, website, and it's sort of like the, are you an inventor? Would you like to blah, 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 submit it to industry, cat magnet? But you would just go to this website, you'd post it, and then hopefully somebody would go there, they'd see the idea, they'd take it and run with it. And then you would, of course, the payoff for you uh, would be having the idea actually done. All right, let's see. Two I'm more things. <laughs> two, two more things. I can tell when I'm being placated. Two more things. One, 
There ought to be a website called mouthbreathers.com that's just pictures of people who are mouth breathing. It might already exist, but it's like that Hot Girls with Douchebags website. There ought to be a website just of pictures of people who are mouth breathers. I can see somebody recruiting members of the clipboard on the Max on the way home. (laughs) (laughs) Or Lloyd Center. Hey, would you like to take a survey? No, I'm busy busy going to buy more Scarface merchandise. Well, all right, maybe on the way back. Uh, So there ought to be a mouthbreathers.com. Uh, and my final note here, and then we'll take a break, and Tim Riley will go off to prepare no, more news for the people. Uh, I wrote down, what is the difference between a bar, a saloon, a tavern, a watering hole, and a pub? I believe they're legal entities. But are they all separate the, the, the distinctions under the law? I believe so. So what is the difference between a bar and a saloon? Maybe Sarah X. Dillon would know. I think a saloon seems like one of those things that only existed back in the 1800s, and if it exists now, it's only like a marketing, it's like a, you know, it's a gimmick. Because I noticed when I came to Oregon, there was a distinction between bars and taverns. So, so what is the I difference? I never saw a tavern in California. So what is the difference between bar and tavern, or is that it simply, know. is it like a soda and pop kind of a thing, just a difference of the lexicon? I think it doesn't, I think it doesn't specify anything, because I'm, I'm thinking, I know taverns that serve liquor and that are just like, Dirty beer bars. Yeah. So, and then, what is the difference between a bar, a tavern, and a pub? Is a pub simply like a British-style thing? That's what I would think. All right. There you go. Well, that didn't answer any of the questions. No, it didn't, Tim. Well, we'll have to take it up some other time. Nothing ever answers any of the questions, Tim. Uh, Sarah, should we break here? Yeah, let's do that. All right. We'll take a break. We'll come back after this. Ladies and gentlemen, Tim Riley, greatest newsman in the history of the world, back at 4, 5, 6, and 7, top of the hour all the way through Lycus. On the other side, we'll talk about the decline of Western civilization, part two, the metal years. And we'll answer this question. What 22-year-old sci-fi star used to be the gay? Back after this. Emerson Radio Program. We now enter the saddest part of the broadcasting day, the final segment of the Rick Emerson Show. Thank you for coming along. It's uh, 503-733-2970. All right. You know, I should have got this queued up beforehand, and I uh, I am made out of fail on this score. So, uh, KUFO Program Director Chris Paddock uh, hey. shared with us earlier one talk over the line as it, performed on the Lawrence Welk Show. Tremendous. It really is tremendous. Just, I've watched it, I don't know how many times now, because I just can't believe it actually happened. But it's like, you keep watching it, and it never makes any more sense. No, it really doesn't. And I'm wondering if this was the episode where Lawrence Welk was dressed as a hit. But no, no, One Took Over Line was a hit, like, in the 70s, 71. Yeah, 71. 71. uh, He did the hippie episode in 69, apparently. Yeah. And he called people babbling baboons on their rock and roll music and loud bongos or something like that. It's really, that's a bizarre clip, too. Jesus. Yeah. I mean, uh, uh, this is, and, and you know, my parents watch that show religiously every week. Oh, yeah. No, mine, too. And now I have even a greater lack of respect for them. Oh. Thank you very much. Now, here's an attractive couple. Any Dale Farrell from Durant, Oklahoma. <laughs> Dick Dale from Fargona, <laughs> Iowa. <clears throat> listen, let's listen to Gail and Dale. And one of the newer songs. Now, Dale and Dale with one of the one newer, of the newer songs. songs. Yeah, that the uh, that the young people like. So why does he call them Gale and Dale when I think they were actually Bobby and? Well, I think you're confused. Sissy. All right, Bobby 
and Sissy were dancers, not necessarily singers. Bobby, dancers on the Lawrence Welk Bobby show? Bobby was a dancer, and he was uh, featured on the uh, Mickey Mouse Club okay, see, with Annette Funicello. See, somebody, see, that's the thing we knew. Yeah. We knew that it was the same Bobby. I can't think of his last name, But though. So they were not the singers. They were actually the... They, they were, were dancers. They were the sort of interpretive movement. Yeah, they're like, uh, uh, like this. <laughs> we're going to do an interpretive dance to Brewer and Shipley's One Toke Over the Line. Jesus. And I love the slide guitar. It's just the steel guitar. Everything about this. One toke over the line, sweet. And they're so happy singing it. Never makes it. I mean, it never becomes less absurd. And she looks like a, a cross between, you know, Barbie Benton and uh, you know one of the Hee Haw Honeys and, and maybe uh, Donna Fargo. Remember Donna Fargo? I do. The, yeah. By the way, it points for a the Barbie Benton reference and B. I got to say that she looks stoned. Uh, <laughs> She's got, I mean, she looks really wholesome, but she's also got the heavily lidded eyes as though maybe she's, uh, maybe she's on the Valium. Could be, could be on a Quaalude that, uh, that older gentleman, yeah. uh, slipped her. Because even yeah. that's kind of, cre- he's creepy. He's yeah. all Grecian formula out, and, <laughs> and they look so happy. It's like very up with people. And by the way, as they're singing, and you can see this at RileyLive.com, R-I-L-E-Y-L-I-V-E.com, RileyLive.com. This is, uh, One Toke Over the Line is performed by, uh, the Lawrence Welk Show, which is not a joke. I mean, it sounds like a thing to be sick of a gag. You know, it's real. I really, I, I had to watch it several times because I thought maybe it was like a Weezer, like a put on sort Jones of a thing, kind of thing, and yeah. it's not. No, it's not. It's and dead serious. She's also bouncing up and down on his knee slash lap as they're singing this, <laughs> and he totally has that weird like. That's creepy. Let Uncle Dave teach you how to kiss. Like, I'm going to slip you a uh, Mickey into your moonshine. Completely. Yeah. Uh, all right, we'll get some calls here in a second. We'll uh, we'll play this. But uh, let me ask you this, Chris yeah. Paddock: Have you ever seen *Decline of Western Civilization* two, *The Metal Years*? Yes, I, and I saw it at the Duloft Theater in Tucson, Arizona. It was a little uh, art house on the uh, University of Arizona campus. That's what I'm talking about. And I will tell you, I was there opening weekend. And I'm not, you know, like I'm not the biggest metalhead that's ever walked the earth, but it is a fantastically entertaining. It film. is an unbelievable documentary, and here's why we're talking about it right now. So you know, faster push. Cat was in town a few weeks ago. Yeah, and uh, Sarah went because you know she kind of loves for the, the spectacle and you know mm-hmm. you know whatever. And, and I went because I never got to see them back then. And Sarah went with her friend Lisa, and your friend Lisa has never seen the decline of Western civilization too. But that's because she was sort of busy living it. Oh, uh, and there are all these shots of her at seventeen. Sitting in the Rainbow Bar and Grill with uh, Tammy Down and all the guys from Faster Pussy really? buying her drink. Oh. Yeah. oh. Oh, this, she, it's she, like a, her own personal home movie. She's got like apparently scrapbooks, flyers, she has, she has posters, books full of like backstage wow. passes and, and pictures of like every thing of all these obscure bands that I've never heard of. Yeah, well, yeah, and she and I and Lisa and I were bonding. She's like, "What about you know? What about the Shark Island?" You know, and I'm like, "Oh, what about Dangerous Toys?" <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, what about Black and Blue? And you know, we're just totally bonding over all this stuff. And so her, you know, Lisa's about the same age as I am, and again, she was really there on the strip, kind of living it. But so we all go to see Faster Pussycat, and I say, you know, and of course, Tammy Down is like. Kind of, you know, kind of big, sort of scary looking. Yeah. He's got this war paint on. Looks all yeah. kind of smacked out. Uh, and so I said, boy, he looks, you know, a lot different than he did back then. You know, in the in the decline days. And Lisa says, what do you mean? And I said, you know, decline of decline of Western civilization too. The metal years, the definitive documentary, right? Uh, the, you know, the definitive history of the Sunset Strip rock era. And Lisa just said, does like the, the Homer Simpson blink, and she goes, I don't know what you're talking about. Wow. And I said, all right, I'm gonna give this to you to watch, <laughs> and it's gonna be like the best night of your life. I mean, really, it is. Yeah. And so the thing is, Sarah's never seen it either, obviously. I now have in my hands a DVD copy, uh, which I got at a oh. swap meet because it's not actually out on DVD, yeah. 
of the decline of Western civilization to the metal years. Yeah. This was made and released. It was released in, I think, 87? 88, 87. 88, because it was after, it was just as Poison's first album was really peaking. Yeah, I think it was on Enigma, actually, which is a Poison's label at the time. I have the soundtrack, the soundtrack yeah, the with uh, Under My Wheels from Alice Cooper. So i got to tell you, hey, here's the thing. You are going to love this because it's a look into a time, and I have to say a completely authentic look. Because it wasn't made after the fact, and it wasn't made as a joke. Yeah. It was it was a real document, more or less, of the time. You're going to love it because it's a time you never got to experience. Lisa will lose her ass over this. <laughs> Seriously. She's going to flip If out. she does not just go mental over this, I will, I'll eat my shoe. All right? So I know that she well, talks. Well, Lisa's not a giddy person either, and I saw her. She was giddy at Faster Pussycat. Wait till you see what Faster Pussycat looks like here. And by the way, there's a couple infamous, I mean notorious, legendary sequences in this. One of which is, uh, you know, really, you're not really into the, but you know, the band called Wasp. Wow. There is a notorious uh, interview with Chris Holmes from Wasp. He's the guy in the swimming pool. That's all you it, need to it, say. That's all I need. He's the guy in the swimming pool. Get and ready I mean, for that. it's it's. Unbelievable. So for those who were never there, this is a way to see what it was like. For those who were there, this is a chilling reminder of what used to be. So now, little man, I give the watch to wow. you. Thank so you. That is amazing. I can't it's, wait to hear uh, you I'm going over to her house at, at 6 o'clock tonight. The quality is watch. not fantastic, but it's certainly watchable. So the decline of Western civilization to the metal years developed, uh, directed by Penelope Spheris, who uh, then went on to make Wayne's World. Uh, it is, uh, yeah, seriously, you and Lisa set I... aside some time, get some booze. Make sure there's nobody around to bug you. Sit down, you watch it. I'm telling you, it's going to be one of the greatest film-watching experiences, certainly of her life and maybe of yours. I and cannot I, wait. And I watched it with such an ironic eye yeah. at the time. It was it was more just out of the jest of it all. And, you know, you got Gazzari's. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, and then you got Odin. I'm Ben Gazzari, and this is Gazzari's cabaret or whatever. Okay, and I got to go to a lot of these haunts, like uh, the Rainbow Room, I've been for to the instance. Rainbow Room. Yeah. Yep. Celebrated Dio's birthday there. Yeah. Awesome. All right, Chris Paddock from KUFO, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, all right, we want to thank CNN Radio correspondents Lisa Desjardins and James Roop, as well as uh, Nina Parker from PMZ.com. Join us tomorrow when our guest will include Mr. Skin from MrSkin.com. Rick Emerson, show produced today and every day by the lovely and talented Sarah X. Dillon for AM 970 to talk. Or in the newsroom, Tim Riley on the phones, Richard Bristol, the gatekeeper, Dave's in, webmistress Bridget from upstairs, uh, CBS Radio Portland marketing guru Susan Donak with me, Reynolds, and of course, director of engineering Brian Jones. Like us next, Michael Mara show at 7. See you at 10 for the recap at 11 for the show. Thank you for listening. Be safe. See you all tomorrow. Bye now. I'm a hockey mom from Alaska. Shiny, a slang term for great use in the television series Firefly and the movie Serenity.